0: Yeah, a little little berk chime. Yeah, a little little riffing with your musical talents.
1: Oh, yeah. That's the, that's the extent of what I got that I can bring to yeah. the table. No <laughs> other
0: musical talent that you have. That guitar <laughs> clearly for show. I've never I've never seen you play it. <laughs>
1: I don't think you have. I think that's I have. What?
0: Yes, <laughs> I have. It's the yeah, like a but... carpet fist that goes by that you're not like, you know what would be great right now? It's like, oh, god damn it. And then you start you start Wait. jamming with people.
1: This is not true, because uh, I'm usually in my room the whole time. It's the day
0: time. before Carpet Fest, really, is what happens, is when you have the jamming kippy session.
1: We, so. we sound like an old married couple right now, man. I
0: don't, wanna,
2: <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to. I don't want to. I got my own shit to deal with. <laughs>
1: Congrats, by the way, Ari. Good yeah. You. Thank uh, you.
2: Really uh, yeah.
1: Uh yeah, so as you know, uh, by now we're talking to yeah. <laughs> Ari, and we have Keith here. Keith
0: here too. <laughs>
1: Dare I say the uh, the uh, the pinnacle of uh, Boland's pythons, uh, keeper, passionate. Uh, what's what's what am I trying to get at, Owen? Like. Uh, people that are most passionate about a species. If, if, if a Boland's
0: Python fell in my lap, I'd be sending it to one of these two people. <laughs> yes. There you go. That's a better yeah. way to say it. Like, Please take this very precious animal away from me. Like, right.
3: yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Ari, and, uh, Ari and I were walking through the woods in New Jersey and we were looking at each other saying, if there was a Boland's here, it'd be right there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if it was here, it'd be really lost. <laughs> like it would just, Yeah. <laughs>
2: But that garter uh, snake and that black rat. That was cool. Yeah.
3: That
2: was a nice. nice. So yeah. some herping that so, was done. Like this 10 is... pounds from Theresa cooking.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that will happen.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this question to you, Aria, Someone yeah. that's traveled around the world seeing, you know, I mean, what some would call the pinnacle of pythons. Um, mm-hmm. do you still get that same feeling when you see when you're herping and you see like a, you know, rat snake or something like that.
2: Oh yeah. yeah. It, the, I, I, it's not just like the, the rare stuff that gets me. It's like just the common stuff because like, you know, it's like we've, t- I'm sure we've touched on this before. Like, you know, it's just exciting to see something that like we see every day possibly. And we see it in the wild. Like, you know, it'd be really cool to see like a crested gecko in the wild or something like that, you know, or yeah. even pythons would be really cool. Cause it's something we just know. So, you know, it's like, we know, but seeing it there is just like, it's like, cool. Like I, I get that wow. feeling when I see it.
3: Like I, oh, can ver- cool. I can verify. I didn't even get the words out of my mouth. There's a rat and already had it in his hands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> see, to me, that's the level that I would uh, measure about somebody's excitement about reptiles, right? You know, if it doesn't matter if it's a Boland's python, a garter snake. <laughs> Uh, you know, a great tree frog, uh, you know, whatever well, um, it would be.
3: Yeah, yeah. Ari found a little. I told him if we check this stream out, we can find some Eastern newts. Yeah. And so he went downstream, I went upstream, and we're literally crawling on the rocks, flipping <laughs> rocks, and putting them back and stuff. And I hear Ari. I got one! I got one! And I go running down, and I mean, it was a little red-backed salamander that, like, barely covered one knuckle on my finger, and we're both there in the woods, like, oh, my God, you found one! Yeah.
2: No, it, took me, it felt like it took me, like, 30 minutes to catch it because my fingers are all big and, like, <laughs> and I'm, like, trying to grab it, but I'm, like, come on, come on, I know I got it, I don't know.
3: Come yeah. here. Yeah, it's just... is yeah. <laughs> up on the trail. Come on, boys, we have to
2: go! Yeah, that was so I like. that. That was a great, I,
3: great little area you've got by your house. Yeah.
1: Oh, is that the place we, we were at, Keith? When no, we were at I, there? Took them,
3: I took them to the Rampo Reservation. It's a park by me. It's literally oh. like three miles away. And I find a lot of timbers and copperheads and black rats and all that. So I want to it's, take you guys next time you're up this way.
0: Yeah, the one we went with Keith, a, it was an
3: is hour this a Rob away. Stone? Yeah, yeah. is I it a you close, a- close <laughs> or is it a? right, <laughs> <laughs> Expand- so you'll verify on this one. It was a close, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: It was like uh, before I could even like you know figure out what was going on. You know, I was like, eh, here we are. I was like, cool. <laughs> oh, we're herping. Okay. It, yeah. the, <laughs> the real cool thing about it was just like how busy it was because everybody's out there, but how like even Keith was telling me like just how conditioned all the animals are to all the people. Like the garter snake was sitting on a rock in front of these two terrified young girls, you know, it was like <laughs> the black rat was just casually crossing the path, you know, just like, right. but there was a person that was right there before us. So it was like, they're just so used to it. It was, it was just kind of nice. Nice. That is awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I, 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 I I agree with all that. And I get super excited about stuff that I, ne- well, you know, when we were out out West and all the shit we saw there, I, I some of the stuff I didn't even know existed, you know, yeah. I didn't know shame on me for that or whatever, mm. but you know, always learning. Good spot. But, <laughs> but mm-hmm. <clears throat> there is something about seeing a Python in the wild that just gets
2: me going, man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I and like retic in the wild. And even that was super cool to me. Cause I was like, Oh my God, Three tick. i was like that's super cool or right. i was because i i just i just got back from traveling uh almost about a month ago now and like we were out and i was catching vine snakes like literally every two minutes they were just out and we were shining lights on them and i was just like oh my god it's a vine snake like, oh my god it's another vine snake oh it's another vine snake you know I was like these are great you know it's like you know like I that's awesome to, like the wild toke and sent it back to rio i was like check it out it like, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's
1: cool that's cool very, very cool. So um, you know, you just you just got back a little while ago. What what do you I guess here would be my question, right? When whenever I think we're gonna go to Australia what, Keith, forty six
0: days?
3: I'll ask Teresa, she's not down for a second. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: has she finished packing your medical supplies or the know, like, emergency stopping. kits?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna send I'm gonna send uh, uh Teresa a care package for you.
1: Ah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. nice. um, do you do you always have a, a mission when you're when you're going on when you're make, coming up with a new trip do you have I'd like an to, idea to, a question uh,
2: so um but for the for the majority it's like i'm going back out just to monitor what's going what's happening like you know if it's like you know last year because like this was a big one for me because it had been two years since i had been back because of covid so i couldn't mm-hmm. get a and it wasn't that I tr- didn't try, try you know, believe me, I tried. It was it was shut down like I could not go. Um, and if I did go, I might not have been able to get back. That was a thing. So so yeah. it, this time was a big one because I had to go through and just basically I wanted to see what things had changed, if anything did during that amount of time. And okay. for the most part, it was like, you know, just a kind of like um, a field study uh, on, on really like more of like an observation just to see what's going on. And then on top of that, I had to pick up the data logger that I had left two years before. Um, oh. I also had to touch base with people in the village to see what was going on and just, you know, basically say, OK, hey, you know, COVID is manageable now. It's time to get back to business. You know, this is what we got to do. So, you know, so for the most part, I, I, I like to try to have like a little bit of an an idea of what I want to do. I mean, it's, it's so difficult to have a set plan because of just how everything is there. Like you can have one goal and usually you can accomplish that goal unless it's something that's really, really monumental and, and, and it can be difficult, but like the reality of going out and saying, Oh, I want to go see this. I want to go see this. I want to go do that. And that's just not going to happen. I right. mean, in a world, I mean, you'd be hitting the lotto if you did it. And, and I have, But it does not. But I've also been traveling for almost 15 years now. So it's like, you know, you've got to be you've got to have like a, a set goal. So this one was basically I needed to see what the environment looked like. I needed to see if anything had changed. I needed to see if there were still animals in this area, which there were. And, you know, when I was there, I had some great some some really good supportive data to help me you know i'm actually working on a, a publication note right now so like i'm you know I'm, I'm for some stuff like that and then also to solidify some theories i had and then to get some information for keith also so
3: yeah Ari when he's planning one of these trips a lot of times we have like a little bull and i group with frederick and myself and a couple of people and ari will be like you know like what do you guys like on this trip i'm going to be in this area what do you guys want me to look for what do you want to you know, he'll, he'll look for other ideas that maybe he hasn't thought of at the moment, you know, and we thought about testing the water and we got him a test kit that time and he went and tested the water and all that. So like any little thing that we can think of, he'll, he'll try to incorporate in his trip also.
0: Nice.
2: Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was, uh, cool. uh, it was, it was, it was good. It was a, a very good trip. It went, um, I was, I was really nervous, honestly, uh, the first time going back just because I hadn't, I hadn't been there. I didn't know what to expect, mm-hmm. you know, and I, like just worried that things were going to be different, and, and uh, it, it wasn't. It was like the same thing. It was just it was easier if, if it was easier if anything getting there this time. Um, okay, and I was able to, you know, with my current um, position now, with you know, do, building this facility here with Quetzal and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I was able to have time, which was, you know, always a difficult thing to deal with when I'm traveling because I'm so constrained on time from like time off from my job, things like that. So this time I had, I was out there for almost a month, um, Wow! which, so, which was great. So for the first yeah. time I've been out, I was out there and I didn't feel rushed. So I was able to really kind of hone in on what I was trying to do. Um, because I did have some goals. Um, I, I um, but yeah, so it was, it was good. It was a really good trip.
1: Is that the longest that you've been out?
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. Of yeah uh, I mean usually i, I mean i'm I, typically I'm out for once a year and I'm out for about two and a half weeks um you know, and then sometimes I was out twice a year and you know for around that time, but this time you know my my average now is gonna be you know a little over three weeks now um okay. to be able to you know get everything done because I mean ninety percent of it is just the travel to get there that's the hardest part yeah right you know right and now. then you get there you've got a day or two and it's like give me a break, you know <laughs> <laughs>
1: right very cool oh That's i thought awesome. you were gonna say something Owen. Nope. <laughs> i'm sorry no oh, i was no? just
0: no it's not like we've done this for eons but yeah no i mean um so all right so how long until
2: you found the first one when you went out there was it like the first day or was it like a couple yeah, days so i was out um i beelined right away to papua when i got to indonesia just because i wanted to get there as soon as i could and mm-hmm. just get you know boots on the ground you know so to speak and so I got there within like, you know, I flew in and, and I, I visited some friends and then I left like two days after that. Then I got out there and it took me a day and a half or two days, I can't remember, to get there. And then um, you know, I did a little bit of haggling with some with some locals because like, you know, they're like, Oh, well things have changed a little bit. I was like, You remember, you know, I'm I'm the same guy, remember me. Things shouldn't have changed, what's going on, you know. Mm-hmm. I do a little bit of haggling again with everybody because everybody wants a little piece of what's going on, you know. And uh once I figured everything out, which was fine, I mean it wasn't a problem by any means it was just like okay, here we go you know and um, uh, it was uh, the next day we went out uh, and uh, I, we went looking at this area there were two nests and uh, we found one nest first right off the bat within the first 45 minutes so cool uh, wow we got it down to a science now so <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so and then so and then I spent a couple hours with that that female at that nest and just did a bunch of recording. Um, I was able to, one of the big goals I did, uh, for this trip was I wanted to do a wild NIDO test. Uh huh. Mm. So I took samples. Uh, uh, Patrick actually sent me out a bunch of samples. Um, and, um, he graciously, uh, paid for it all and, and had his guys help me out. And, and I, I, I brought back 10 samples from, uh, animals and did wild samples out there, which was really cool. Cause as far as I know, there's nobody that's done any wild nido sample testing. Uh, uh, don't think so. Yeah. So I, I did that, which was great. So I spent a lot of time with a the female there and just kind of observing, you know, observing her and, you know, taking notes on the nest and everything. Because I'm really, like, heavily interested and invested now into this nesting ecology stuff. Cause it's really interesting to me. Um, mm-hmm. And then, um, uh, obviously, you know, took measurements on her and everything. I got some really cool observations on her, too. Like, there was... Um, this is the first time I've ever seen a female with breeding scars um oh really cool and i and i was I was coming back and I sent a picture of it to Keith I said check this out and then he sends me a picture of one of his animals with the same kind of uh scarring on and I said that is awesome so okay. many, I'm going to use those that's one I, I've got about I got about three pieces or three um publication notes that I'm going to be trying to put out in the next year um oh. uh, and that's one of them so um teeth stuff will be in there as well um and that was cool and then i was also able to um witness the, the, this female she was uh in a, in the in her nest and she was gravid on the early stages of being gravid uh, and it's so funny to me because i remember like when i was keeping these animals like i'd be like hey how do you know if they're gravid hey you know i'm always qu- second guessing myself and all this there's no question when you've got a gravid snake
4: yeah yeah <laughs> you know
2: she's like she's gravid but i'm always like second guessing myself with captives you know? but i I've seen enough gravid Boland's pythons in the wild to know what one looks like, even though I question. Them. So, I, we.
3: I um, think
1: I think you're one of the only people in the world that can say that, yeah, you know. Right?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, even curious. better. Even better, he's actually seen wild baby Bolands hatching out of the egg. Yeah. How right. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. So I can I can brag a little about that. That was pretty cool. Uh, it only got, it only cost me, uh, you know, uh, a week and a half of malaria. So it was worth it. <laughs> uh, totally worth it. I, I'd, I'd sign that check. Yeah. Great. Yeah, it was great. Um, but, um, yeah, so, um, I was able to witness a female or observe a female and record her in a nest and she was gravid, uh, but she was in the nest with old eggs again. Uh, so oh. this is the third time I've come across this. So I'm actually putting that up in a paper. Uh, which is an interesting observation and, and in my opinion with my all of my experience and all the years i've been out there I, I really firmly believe that they utilize home territories and nesting sites because just the way it's set up where they're leaving scat and urate and biological markers everywhere now this is just another piece in the puzzle with them is saying hey why would i go to another place when i got my eggs right here this is perfect so i'll just keep reproducing here you know Mm. So, so
0: throughout the year, Keith should just have a box where he just shovels all of it in and then come breeding season, put the box in with the bowl and eye, and she'll put the eggs right on top of that yeah. or in
2: it. Yeah. The interesting thing, too, with the captives, in my opinion, is
4: mm. I
0: don't
2: think the nesting has anything to do with captive success now. Um, OK, I, I really don't. I, I, I mean, because there's been some there was some successes this year. Mm-hmm. you know um and and everything I've seen it's never been an elaborate nest box, like Keith and myself are doing, like we're doing these really outside of the box thinking kind of boxes, you know for them to lay, mm-hmm. but they're gonna lay if they're it that's the thing right yeah so I so I think you know it's it's the step before that that seems to be the critical part with with these animals so and I got some new info, you know like some interesting observations from the locals when I was talking to them about them and you know, it was like I said, I was messaging Keith. Like, you know, this time I didn't call him at four in the morning. This time I was just. I think,
0: <laughs> Where's the fun message. in that? You know, wake
2: <laughs> him up.
3: <laughs> what are you
0: talking about?
1: We're awake at that time.
3: Yeah, yeah. He, he, when he saw the baby his hatch, and he was I, I wasn't answering the phone. Ari gets pissed at me because I hate talking on the phone. You know? yeah. so he's texting. He's like, pick up your fucking phone. <laughs> answer the phone. <laughs>
2: but uh, yeah, so it was a it was a very very good trip. Uh, we had two adult animals that, uh, that we located, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and then, um, I was able to, so I took samples from those, uh, in the field. And then there was a mm-hmm. bunch of babies that were freshly collected, um, that, that I swapped, I swabbed every one of them. So, mm-hmm. um, and it was interesting. And then I went and I, uh, was actually, uh, what was that? I was at another, I went, I visited like a wholesaler. It was out there. Somebody had stuff and he had an animal and I swabbed that animal. Uh, and it was interesting, all the wild animals, including the fresh babies, uh, all negative, but the animal that was, had been in captivity for a couple of years, a mm-hmm. positive. Hmm. Wow.
3: That's something that's been a concern of mine lately, you know, some that I've been thinking about, because a lot of Bolins, you know, they do well for a few years as adults, and then, then they start getting RIs and whatnot, and, you know, kind of all kind of points back, is there some kind of a viral you know,
0: yeah. in, oh. in, the, in the captive
2: population or something, you know, and, and, yeah. and it also points back there are, to there are cat or I'm sorry. I'm no, no. no, go ahead. A, right. There's um, there are a, a decent amount of Nido animals in captivity. Currently, I had some of those animals as well, and I was maintaining them separately from mm-hmm. uh, obviously the main collection. Uh, because I wanted to see what, I, I, I mean, obviously it's a bulls python. I'm not going to turn the animal down just because that's what I do. That's like my love, you know. But but at the same time, I wanted to experience and see, understand the virus for what it is. And it's scary because it's, the young animals do not show any sign. That's the thing. You will have mm-hmm. a perfectly normal animal. But it's almost like they get to a certain age. And then all of a sudden, that's when the trigger happens. If something changes, those animals go downhill. And they mm-hmm. go down. And it is a... Very aggressive respiratory infection with them. Um, there's bacterial infections. It's it's like almost secondary, like all these mouth bacterial. Um, mm-hmm. wow. uh, you get you know, mouth severe severe mouth rot that does not uh, respond to um, injectable therapy. Uh, wow. And it's really it's a really bad thing. And those animals typically, you know, there's a ni- It's like you know, ninety percent chance that animal's going to die once it starts showing the signs.
3: Mm-hmm. All right. tell them about the odor that you were
2: telling me about. Oh, yeah. There, so there's an odor, and I don't know if it's just me because I'm weird, but I, I can smell it. I can smell what that Nido virus smells when the animal's got an infection in its mouth, and it reminds me of Parvo. Oh, shit. It is a very distinct smell. Like, you can open the animal's mouth up, and you can smell it. And it, it just kind of is just there.
3: So I made Ari smell all
2: my animals. <laughs> <laughs> He's like opening the jaw. Smell this, Ari. He's like, ah. <laughs> no, no. It just, you know, it could just be whatever it is, but I just am like, man, that is what, it, I was like, I know that smell. I was like, that is, a that, you know, it's like a, but I mean, once that animal's to that point, you know, there's, but I mean, it, and also yeah. too, like, um, like Frederick, I mean, he's had some success with animals too, that, that he's dealt with also like that. And I know mm-hmm. some other people that have dealt with NIDO as well, and they've had, their animals are perfectly fine. So right. it's, it's just really scary. So I wanted to be yeah. sure, I mean, I'm fairly confident that there wasn't a case of this in the wild, but I just wanted to, to do it since I was there. Um, and I mean, it sound like I'm putting a feather in my cat, but there wasn't anybody else that could do it. Right. Um, yeah. So I was like, I'm going to do it. You know, it, it's going to it's not going to hurt the animals and it's going to help us. So um, it's definitely a captive, um, a captive collected virus for sure. Yeah. Uh, it, it um, I, I don't know uh, where it stems itself from. Obviously, I mean, chondro pythons like, you know, obviously are, are a big are a big one. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's it, it's freaky, uh, that smell and stuff. But I mean, I, I can look at a snake right away now and I can tell I'm like, oh, yeah, that's an that animal sick. You know, it's like it's an item.
0: Well, it, um, it's so weird that it's with the importers because then it's like, you know, now anything coming in directly from that that is wild caught, it could even if it spends this time in the facility of an importer, yeah. it, it might be exposed, and that's something. Yeah. Well, else I
2: mean, I,
1: I could be wrong on this, but I think I want to say yeah. that Philippe de Voguillet did a. He bought a whole bunch of wild caught pop one carpet pythons and i want to say some of them had that but it did it come from the importer or you know it wasn't directly i mean they are wild caught
2: but yeah i mean you've got to figure out like so like with you know with you know a lot of times like you know um keith and i were talking about this actually when when i was out there just recently excuse me and it's like you know a lot of these newer um, herpers, herpiculturists that are coming into the hobby, they don't know the they don't know the, the the chain of events of what typically happens. Let alone have they been exposed to it, so they think it's like, oh, you know, this is great. But you know, from from point A of where an animal, like for an example, like a wild caught carpet. So like, mm-hmm. you know, you've got a got a collector that collects the animal. Okay, he keeps it. He brings it to his house. He puts it in a bag, ties it up, puts it somewhere dark. You know, he right. calls up a supplier and says, hey, you know, do you want this? I was like, okay, cool. So he ships it to them. You know, that's three days there. Then it goes to the supplier that also has other animals that have been shipped in from how long, who knows. And they're all sitting. Those animals could be sick. Those animals could be, you know, not in optimum condition, you know, you know, thus allowing for viruses to take hold or being exposed to something also. So it it basically, you know, it's, it it becomes a Petri dish. Right. Um, so you know obviously you know a lot of people are like oh i'm all about captive bread i'm all about captive bread i'll take a lot animal any day um yeah because because yeah. that animal not only is that animal going to be clean you know uh it, it's going to be a lot healthier in a lot of other ways too than coming from a, cap, a captive captive bread animal mm. um in a lot of search situations like there are people that are producing some incredible things captive bread that are clean and all that stuff but well, i'm not afraid of taking imports i don't think that's an issue at all you know it's just You know, that's, that's our generation, you know, it's like, we know how to deal with dealing with that, you know, (laughs) new people, they don't, you know, they they see, they don't know that. So, um, but with Bolins, uh, it's, it's interesting how it affects them from what I've seen so far. I've, I've never seen a young animal, uh, give the signs that the adults do, um, when they're infected with it. And and Mm in the adults, it's very like, it's just like swollen mouth, swollen head, excessive saliva, um, copious amounts of that, that, uh, that cheese that's in the mouth, you know, up everything that smell. And then the mouth starts becoming infected with bacteria. And then it just creates all these problems and the animals just a mess, you know, and it, and it doesn't respond well to to the gamut of, of drugs that we have access to now.
3: You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like the 90s and early 2000s, when the Burmese pythons were the big animals to be bred all the time, and they were yeah. fine growing up. But when they got adult, I can, I, I mean, every breeder that was breeding Burmese pythons would talk about the berms getting the snots in the winter when there's a breeding yeah. season and all, they would all get this sickness. And 100%. it kind of reminds me of that, you know?
2: Think about it this way think about like. I mean, like when we were like when we were doing this stuff, when we were when we were kids and we were getting animals and like, you know, these people like, oh, it died. It had a respiratory infection. Well, what did what did it have? You know, it's like like I said, it's a petri dish on a lot of these on a lot of these places. Now, like if somebody if a supplier gets the animal right away and and within that amount of time, you know, it ships and it's gone in your collection, you're you're probably in a, a very safe place. However. The longer that animal stays where it's at without being sent off to where it's supposed to be going, more. Yeah. It's a chance of being exposed to something really bad.
1: I wonder if um, I kind of remember, I don't remember the exacts of this, but I remember somebody talking about that there's different strains of it depending on which species of python. Like, so the green tree python, uh, Nidovirus, is one strain. And then, say, you have a carpet python nidovirus and if the green tree python is exposed to the carpet python or vice versa it's sort of like when you start to see issues or maybe that's when issues have been seen whereas if they had that just that normal one they're not normal one but the the species yeah their species one they don't seem to have the same effect so i'm wondering if being exposed to green trees in the importers are they picking up that
2: I mean, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, a virus that needs a lot more study on it, you know, sure. as far as, I yeah. mean, because of what it does and how, and how contagious it is. It's, it's very contagious. I mean, just, you know, it, but it's, you know, um, it's possible. I don't know. Like, um, I, am not an expert on the virus in NIDO at all. All I know Me is neither. What, <laughs> what I've seen. I don't want to be an expert on it. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, but, well, the only thing that I have experienced on it is from like what I have seen firsthand <sighs> Working with nido positive animals and then being around some nido positive animals, right? Uh, well, so. Mm. Right. Mm.
1: Do you? I, I, I've always been curious. Do you notice um, a difference between a wild caught, um, a wild Boland's python, and say a captive, as far as just muscle, you know, uh, strength or body, uh, you know.
2: And- um. I would say, well, I mean, okay, so my experience with Bull and I in captivity was probably from the late, or no, early 90s, I'd say, late, late 90s, when, when all those, when the wild caught adults stopped coming in. Okay. Um, So everything I've had experience outside of being in the field, you know, is from, long-term captive animals already so they're raised as young animals nothing large is coming in so the babies that are are being raised however the the keeper is taking care of them so you know it, you know it's in that it. it goes to the you know thing is like do we feed too much do we feed too little do we offer the right dietary you know source do we do this do we there but everything i've seen in the wild is a very different snake uh the way they feel they have that sheen they have that that velvet feel. I mean, I've heard Keith talk about this many times about you can tell the health of the animal by just looking at its skin Mm -hmm. and that 150% because you can look at those animals and they should have that velvety feel. There should be no drag on their body when they're crawling through your hands. Um, And the animals I see in the wild, like make an estimated guess on age, but there'd be no real way for me to factor it in just because of, you know, I don't know how frequently they're feeding in the wild. So they, they look, they look muscular, but they're not skinny. Um, they're, they're fit. They look like, um, they would be like a, like a track star almost that lean muscular feel, but they're, but I mean, they're, you know, decent sized animals. So it's Mm -hmm. like, right. You know, there's no tenting, (sighs) no sagging their face and everything is very taut. Um, but it's a it's a different animal. I mean, I've seen animal. I mean, it it looks different to me. I don't know if somebody else would notice it, uh, but I've seen. I mean, I don't want to sound like a know it all, but like seen enough of them in the wild that I look sure and say, that animal looks different. You know, I can tell. You know, do you feel like um,
0: overfeeding is something that definitely happens in oh, okay. captive? Because I white lips every white lip by every other white lip I see is. Fat as hell, huge as hell, yeah. and it's like
2: my proven female is only five foot long. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, obesity and overfeeding is a probably number one issue with bull and I. Because well, for first off, majority of the people that get them want to breed them because they want to be millionaires. That's the. <laughs> problem.
4: I knew that was key motivation. It. I knew <laughs> that's what i going for. It.
2: Yeah, oh, but geez. better to auto tickets for 10 years my opinion but with that being said like so we create we create captive behavior in these particular animals Mm -hmm. so in the wild we have no idea what or i should i shouldn't say we because i'm referring to what my experiences are i have no idea what they do once they leave the nest i know when they leave the nest it's after that first shed and then they leave. In where they go, I have no idea. The vegetation is very thick. Um, my theory is they go down where there's probably an abundance of smaller prey items that they can grab quick, and they're also you know more protected because you know some of the ground rodents and all that stuff won't pick them off. Little birds and things like that too. So it, so I don't know what the frequency of feeding on a, on a wild animal would would be, but in mm-hmm. captivity. You know, we have a tendency to every time we, we feed and say, oh, it's hungry. I'll offer it again and see if it wants to eat. Oh, it's hungry. I'll offer it again. Well, it loves to eat. Well, of course, because every time that door opens, it knows it's going to get fed.
0: Yeah, right.
2: That's thing. So so the the obesity thing, you know, power feeding is, is a reality in a lot of ways. Do I know if it affects? I mean, if the animal's like morbidly obese, I'm sure it affects reproduction. But mm-hmm. they haven't been bred my opinion to really say yes you know power right. feeding will, will affect its reproduction so but but i do know a lot of people like to feed bones. yeah so i wonder how the obesity
1: lot. part of pythons and captivity plays a role into the nido virus similar to what we saw with covid right if you were you know had comorbidities uh you know overweight uh, you know smoke this that yeah. the other you know obviously you're getting hit harder with with that virus yeah. this is respiratory yeah. virus.
2: Yeah. I mean, so it, I wonder- and it, goes, it goes to basically the, the animal being in optimal health, you know, mm-hmm. it, it should yeah. be an optimal, health. not that it's going to be, it's, it is a possibility for it to succumb to, you know, viruses and things like that too. And, and stuff. But it's like, you know, we, like I always say, everyone's like, Oh, how often are you supposed to feed? And I was like, well, there's no clear identification as how often you're supposed to feed. We can assume we feed it this way. You know, I mean, the environment's cool. I, I've, I've never run into a rodent out there, aside from being, you know, hunted by somebody. I mean, I saw a bird this time, which was really cool. I photographed a bird was right above the nest. Right really? The nest Wait what? <laughs> You're in wow. danger, stupid bird. Right on top of the nest, uh, like maybe like four or five feet. And we were there, and I, was, I had been there sitting there with this snake on this nest mound for like two and a half, three hours. And I was like... Going over measurements and doing overall body assessment, and I'm checking out the nest, and I'm taking temperatures, and then while I hear one of the guys talking about a bird, and I look around, I don't see it, and he's pointing up, and I'm like, oh, okay, I guess you want me to leave now, so I walk away, and they went and shot it, and ate it, so it was like, you know, <laughs> but but it's like, that was like a, it was like a dove or a pigeon, wasn't it, Art? It, yeah, it was more like a, I'll send you guys the picture of it. I, I didn't get it identified and it was like, I grabbed it real quick and took a photo of it, you know, but, but it was something different I didn't see. And then there was another ground type of dove. It was really fast. Um, but, uh, and so, but I don't know what the frequency of that is. You know, it's like you would, you would think a large animal that's like capable of getting 10 feet would have to be eating something substantial in some kind of frequency you would think to mm-hmm. get to that. But but I don't know. That that's one of the what a little mystery.
1: Yeah, I think I think I think Rob has probably Rob and there was a paper that talked about Burmese Python digestion and how their system sort of gears up and then shuts down and it's basically, you know, when it's gearing up, once it starts digesting prey, it's like I think it was like a two week process or something like that. Yep. But it's like when that when the system is engaged, you want to try to offer uh, you know a, a few meals during that time so that yeah. when the system shuts down again you know you're giving that up and down swing of you know of, of eating and, and mm-hmm. i don't know i i think i talked to keith about this before but i watching my diamond python upstairs yeah. i sort of see it do those behaviors where it'll you know if i feed it once it's going to come out f- like three or four nights in a row doing the the ambush position type of thing and then after that it kind of says ah, i you know again i'm just guessing yeah. i'm I'm not saying it's true or not but then it kind of goes in and hides and seems to i guess finish digestion
2: yeah you know, like um a lot of the snakes like you can tell like obviously you know when they're actively food as i'm mm-hmm. being like offering food like with with the babies i've always told everybody i offer you know a small a small meal every 10 to 14 days you know and 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 on that, and it's just and and sometimes I might do it even a little bit more frequently just to get them past that little sensitive hurdle, yep. you know. And then after that, then it levels out, and then I go every other week, um, you know, as the animal gets older. And then sometimes I just do like every three weeks, you know, I'll do sure. like a a prey at them. And I mean, and and they're content. Like even the ones that that we have on exhibit here, um, like the exhibit is is so large that it is it, it's an active environment they're in. So. If they were looking for food or if they were hungry, they'd be cruising looking. But Mm -hmm. 90% of the time, they're pretty stationary in their spots where they want to be. And it usually has to do with, you know, a humidity percentage in one spot or there's a sun ray that's coming through this area they want um, or something else. But it's never usually like I'm cruising. Like I never see them cruising looking for food.
1: Right. You know, you yeah. were talking about nests um, and the babies. I, I'm assuming it was the babies that come out after yeah. they shed, they leave the nest. Is that similar yeah. to what we – that study that was done with the African rock pythons where the babies are sort of staying with that mother in the nest for that for that time period well, where they're maternal, I guess?
2: <laughs> I know that paper, but I haven't read it. I, I, I should. I apologize. I should. Um, but um, the uh, – I, I do believe there is some – like, I don't know, like, I don't know if, like, maternal is the right word. Right. Because, like, they're not, they're not, like, taking care of them. They're not, like, we're, right. you know, it's not, like, we're the snakes are doing, like, a, a definite, like, they're they're watching babies. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, like, mom's, like, don't my babies, you know. Right. This, I think, is an instinctual kind of, you know, uh, an older kind of behavior, you know, if that makes sense. You know, it's, yeah, like, it's something sure. that, you know, they know they just deposited eggs. Their job is to watch and make sure the eggs hatch. Once the eggs hatch and the babies leave, then I go and that's it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's where they're guarding them or anything like that. You know, because even when I was photographing that female sitting on the eggs and the eggs were pipping, she wasn't interested in me at all. She, she was not defensive. Um, she was just doing her routine and she could still be in that, you know, that brooding laying mode, you know, where she's Mm -hmm. just kind of shut. But, um,
3: yeah, right. I, don't I think know. I, I think you've noticed that uh, captive-bred animals tend to be a little bit more aggressive than the wild animals, actually, right?
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of that is associated to the feeding regimen and how we feed. I think yeah. it's, we're teaching them to be, you know, I think it's it's not that they're being mean. It's like, oh, every time the door opens there's food, you know. <laughs> right. like, where's, where's the, the food? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Where's the food? That's where the door comes in, and over time they understand that it's like that's where the food comes out. But I've I've always been more. I've always I, I've always been bitten by by animals in captivity than I have been in the wild. I've never been bitten by a wild boas python and I've stuck my hand down in the nest. I remember talking to you guys about that. I stuck my yeah. hand in a Yeah. Yeah. Female on eggs and I could feel her her snout touching my thumb and I'm like here it comes. You know, <laughs> it, 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 you know and I've I've pulled females out of nests before to get measurements and weight on them and get, you know, the nest nest dimensions and things like that. I've never had any aggression. This last One of these last females that I was um, documenting on this last trip, she was probably the feistiest ones I've dealt with. And she just wanted to move. That's all she wanted to do. She just wanted to go. And then she finally calmed down and was just like, whatever, okay. Take measurements, take temperatures, do what you got to do. Leave me alone. You know? Right. Um, so, how big
1: are, how, how but, big are the nests?
2: So the nests are really interesting. So the way that they... They, they reside in these nests they' they're, they're either in, they're, for the most part they're in like two kind of a scenarios like the, the, the standard stereotypical one is like this almost teeth planted like kind of structure and and it's because they feed predominantly off the ground couscous and spotted couscous there and they make these these burrows under the ground so they go in there they take these nests over you know and mm-hmm. so the way it's always facing for the morning Sun to come out um, is diagonal it's never it's never flat or huh. I've never found a cliff ever. Um, so I don't know if those reports back in the day were just a particular area, but I've never in, in the amount of time I've been there ever found one on a cliff. It's always on in some kind of um, uh, slightly elevated uh, chamber that's uh, uh, either um, below a root, uh, root ball or constructed out of this dead vegetation, and there's a perfect chamber inside. And what it does is, like, so that way the rain will fall off of it. It runs down as opposed to going in the burrow. So it's creating mm-hmm. this perfect, it's like an alligator nest. You know, it's like this yeah. perfect, okay. perfect controlled environment inside with an opening for the snake to go in. And it's very tight. Uh, all this contact security, they're just in there in the ball. They feel comfortable and they do their things, you know. Um, I did find one in a pretty big, a pretty big burrow one time. It was larger than I've, I've, I've found before, but it was, you know, the typical stuff. So.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I've cool. been watching um, some videos. Matt Matt Minatola, he has um, this uh, guy in Indonesia that uh, goes and finds short tails and stuff, and it amazes me how tight oh. they are in these dirt mounts. You know, they're mm-hmm. just like
2: crammed in yeah. there. You know, yeah, they so. go. They want that. You so know, Wetzel uh, taught me the great uh, contact purity, and it's it's it, absolutely a hundred percent truth. It's like you know that animal. especially like with animals like ball pythons and probably blood pythons and stuff like that too. I don't know. I don't know much about blood pythons, but um, like they, they want that, that tight, secure feeling, you know, it's like having Mm -hmm. a weighted blanket, you know, it makes you feel comfortable. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of people like, Oh, you keep an animal in a small tub. Well, some animals prefer to be in because that's what their environment's kind of like, you know, so it makes you feel comfortable. They don't want to be in a large spacious burrow they want to be in something as tight as they can possibly fit in so they can feel comfortable they know that nothing's going to get them
1: yeah that's why i've always uh you know with most of my carpets and stuff i've well pythons just in general i've always used like paper towel holders uh, or paper Mm -hmm. towel rolls as the hides because one super convenient but two they can really like kind of cram in there you know (laughs) if you get the you know
2: because in the wild they don't have Big open places to hide. They don't want that. They want to get in the mm-hmm. tightest little spot. I mean, that's like when you like as a kid when you lose your corn snake or your king snake, and you're like, "Ah, oh, shit, where is it?" You know. Well, it's in that hole in the wall. If you always need <laughs> something to <was gonna> crawl, <laughs> yeah. You know that's 100%. where they like to go. You know, mm-hmm. up where it's nice, tight, and dark. You know,
1: right. Um. I was going to ask you about that female that you posted a picture. I'm assuming this was from that trip, but she was sort of uh coming at you a bit. What what's the story behind that one?
2: Oh. Yeah, that was an old one. That one was I can't remember. I think it was like 2012 or something. Oh. Yeah, awesome. I, had out, wow. I had made my welcome. Uh that was my that was my notice from her. <laughs> <laughs> um I've come across several animals that are like deep in shed and and she was getting ready to go clear. And I I think she was just, I just a day and she was just posturing up at me and basically saying, you know, I will bite you, you know, if you keep going. And I was like, all right, you're fine. I I took everything I needed to, you know, photograph and write down and stuff. I was like, so have a nice day. And that was it. But she was, she was probably the most like defense. I would say defense. She was more observant that I've, that I usually have come
3: across.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bolin's in
3: captivity. They just come at you. There's no, there's no like trying to figure out what you're doing or anything. If you open that door, they're just crawling towards you. And like the most confident snake I've worked with, like they're just so confident. There's no flinching back when you're moving around or anything like that. They just come straight at you, not in an aggressive way, just a constant deliberate crawl towards you. And then they're going to figure out what they're going to do once they get to you.
0: I, I I don't yeah. know. Keith Keith yeah. did that bluff strike thing and it hit me yeah. in the chest and I'm pretty sure I saw Jesus. So,
2: you know, that was there was that. So, yeah. thing too like also with um like behavior that 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 we that we observe um with our captive animals that are housed in what we would ex- what we would believe or, you know, attribute to is appropriate cage size now like we at at like we i built this enclosure it's about um it's like basically a 12 foot box it's open air on the top glass front um it's got multiple nesting chambers that go down several feet it's got large basking platforms rock everything is naturalistic in it it's all biological or bio you know got like isopods and all that shit going in it and everything humidifiers and all that stuff so when i go into the enclosure and it's so big that i can go in it that's fantastic <laughs> the animals, i i don't have to like they don't get disturbed when i walk in so they continue doing what they're gotcha. doing and they observe mm. and then they begin to do the behavior the key set like they'll just start going and it's almost like they come they come up to you just to determine they're not coming up to you knowing that they want to eat yet or anything. They just want to come up to find out what's going on, and then they'll decide what they're going to do after that.
0: That's so cool. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. I I really want to see this.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's just, uh,
1: on the level of snake intelligence, what do you guys think Bolin's, where do they fall? Are they...
0: Dumb as a sack of hammers. <laughs> <laughs> I Keith,
2: what do you think?
3: Well, like they, my enclosure is such saw So like I have all these little tiny openings where they can get to the other cage or they can get into the hide boxes and all these things. Hmm. And, they, and the way they use that is like, unlike any other animal I've ever seen, like they use, they use the cage more intelligently, if that makes sense what I'm trying to say than any other animal that okay. I've ever worked with, you know? And, huh. um, and I don't know, I think that confidence just gives them the illusion of this intelligence, you know what I mean? Because there's not that fear factor there or anything that other snakes have. Like they it seems like they know what your intent is. And, and gotcha. you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. When you're when you're introducing them to the to their habitat for the first time, are are they checking it out constantly? They like or they everything.
3: They lick everything. They're pest they're okay. and everything. They'll find a spot like a dog that just found a spot that another dog urinated or something. And they'll right. just sit there for five minutes licking that spot with their nose buried into that spot, yeah. checking it out. One of, my, uh, wow. one of the coolest things also,
2: and, and I, I, I completely agree with that statement from Keith because I've seen it numerous times. And it's just like they'll stick their nose right in it and they do like this really short tongue flick. And they just will sit huh. and sit there. And then they and then they're like, okay, whatever. But during introductions, were always really interesting to me because, you know, obviously the animals we have on at the facility, they're they're paired together all year round because they've got this huge enclosure. But when the captive animals, like in in you know in like large uh, in my large enclosures that I had before, that were like six foot by four foot by three foot, when I would intro right. the, the male into the female's enclosure, because I would always do it that way. The male would be like kind of like, whoa, what's going on? What's going on? then all of a sudden he's like, whoop, he just would cue right into it. And then the behavior would change dramatically. And he would be very kind of just casual, you know, walk uh, casually cruising up. And he would just do that kind of small, intent tongue flicking and just very focused snout, like wherever he was at. And the behavior was very different. It was just very different. I think they're a lot smarter than they than a lot of people think they are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now I know why there's that picture of you, Keith, just laying on the floor staring it's in a, the cage. It's, <laughs>
0: a, it's not because he's obsessed or anything, but yeah, it's. Um,
3: I still so, do that.
0: <laughs> so, with, with the aggressive spurring that goes on, I mean, have you guys noticed that with the captive animals as well? I know, oh, yeah. know Keith
2: had scars, but like. Yeah. So, I have. Okay. So, I have had. I think it was. I did a 3.1 one mm-hmm. seat. And I went at it with, I let them all go at it and check it out. And I did not see, and they were in a six foot enclosure together. So it was a tight, it was, you know, they, they knew somebody was in there, you know, (laughs) Right. Um, I did not see any aggression. However, I had left them in there for a few hours with me observing them to make sure there wasn't any problems. I did see the typical, like I saw them kind of go up a little bit and there was some kind of pushing down behavior, like, you know, dominant animals. Mm-hmm. Um, but i have never actually seen like biting or spurring but but keith has had a more of an uh experience in yeah. that and that was yeah. really fascinating because i was able to collaborate it with what i saw in the wild too yeah
3: yeah I'm, my animals got along together great for a week so i started getting lax and like not watching them on the camera as much during the day and whatnot because they seem to have worked it out the two males would cruise the female and and they were getting along pretty good and then i came home that day and the the subordinate male just had like razor glass uh, slashes on his you know back half um from the dominant male and he was really like pushing him and showing him in hard you know body slams and i had to get him out of there right away and, and let him heal up and all and uh get back in shape but I'll still put them together, but obviously I won't leave them together for that duration of time because I think there's something to that with the multiple males, you know?
2: Was there mm-hmm. any behavior in the reproduction? or Was there any, like, copulating after you pulled that? Yes. That,
3: yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's a good point. The, the, male, the male then, in my opinion, <laughs> felt that that female was his because mm-hmm. that's when I started to observe him guarding her wherever she was. He, he would actually, after he copulated a few times, he stopped trying to copulate and he would follow her in the, in the cage system that I have. And if she coiled up into a cork bark tube, he would just coil up on the outside and not harass her, not try to go in, but it was like he was guarding her. And I know you've seen that guarding behavior and a couple other people I've talked to have seen that and with some other species also, but it, it seems very, very prevalent with bull and I, that male yeah. is going to, once he up, wins that female, he's going to guard her. I've seen yeah. it numerous times with the bull and I,
2: especially I had a season where I had animals paired up and I saw multiple males doing the same behavior in sa- different enclosures where mm-hmm. my nest boxes. the female would be, you know, she'd let the male go in the nest box with her every once in a while. But then there'd be times where she would throw her big coil up at the front and not let him in. And he would sit. Coiled up right above her nest box with his head down over the nest entrance, just waiting for her huh. to come back out. And this, that went on for weeks. Um, so, wow. I'm sure there's something to that.
1: Yeah. Hmm. And you, you haven't witnessed any males in the wild, right? right? No. Is this well, females?
2: Yeah. So the males are difficult to find because they cruise. And so, this is my theory. So, my theory is I believe that there's. There's probably, I don't know, maybe half a dozen males that cruise around a certain area that has Mm -hmm. multiple females that are in the site, you know, say three or four females that are in there. And these males will congregate on a single female every season, thus reproducing with multiple females. But it takes multiple males to do it. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So because I asked a lot of the local guys when I'm out there, like, you know, because I've got people that will follow me when I'm out there eating locals, you know, and I'm like, you know, they, they say, oh, I've seen this thing before. I was like, oh, how many animals do you see? Oh, where are the males? They're like, oh, the males aren't over here. I'm like, where are they at? They're just like pointing around everywhere. I'm like, but I'll say where's the female and they'll point over there. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, yeah, I think the, I think their, um, I think their behavior is, I think they're like, their behavior and ecology is very different from the females in the wild. Um, right. They have, I think they cruise around, but they stay in a certain range. Um, I think they cue in on all the, the biological factors that the females are laying behind, uh, when they are in these nesting areas, like they leave shed, they leave scat, urate in close proximity, uh, to these sites, basically saying this is where Mm -hmm. I'm at, you know, and then the males will come through, uh, and you know, when it's breeding season, you know, May, June, July, typically they'll come through and that's when they'll start breeding but the males will all kind of congregate and it's almost like who's the biggest, baddest, you know, that's there, you know, it gets those females charged up. I, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what's going on.
3: Uh, Ari and I both will leave urates um, by the females preferred nest box. Um, you know We clean out the bulk of it, obviously, but yeah. both <laughs> right. of us talking like, you know, we definitely do. I think that's important to leave that that scent marker for the females yeah. i would I mean,
1: typically do that during the breeding season as well like i was you know i sort of like you're saying like obviously you're cleaning to a certain extent but you yeah. know um, i'm not yeah. going in and disinfecting and you know wiping down it's just sort of all that smell is sort of staying like, in there
2: is typically what i'll do uh, unless there's obviously like you know for whatever reason if i need to do like a serious clean you know I'm always i'm always saving yeah. like a shed or a urate and I'll put it in that area because it's, you know, that's their, that's their territory. They recognize Mm -hmm. familiarity. So,
1: right.
2: You know, everyone's like, Oh, you got to keep it super clean. And (laughs) they got to keep them on like, you know, paper towels and all this. I'm like, no, no, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) I mean, they can raise up like that's fine. But, but it, you know, they have some psychological effect in my opinion to, you know, to these particular animals, and a lot of snakes in general, not just bull and I. You know, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. oh
0: yeah, uh, dude, I I, I messed with the um, I messed with the white lip nest box. She laid them underneath the nest box uh-huh. because um, I'm like, yep, shouldn't have touched her. Because <laughs> when I did it, she stopped going inside it. I'm like, I, I broke it. I that uh-huh. that was on me. But I, I would say that, um, going back to the to the kind of the aggression and the combat between the males, um. That was something that was told me that like you cannot get olive pythons to breed if you just have a pair. The yeah. male needs that drive and that combat. And now one of my olive python males is just his sole purpose in life is to just piss off my breeding male Fuck. so much that all he that he goes directly over to the girls. And this is my third year now getting olive pythons, so it's, I think some animals just need that competition, yeah. that charge, yeah. that. You know, something to get him off the bench. So, hey, hey
3: Ari, is there any way? Is there any way Ari to, to get a clutch from the wild and test and see if multiple males sired that clutch? Mm.
2: Well, that would. I mean, it's possible to do that, but like you'd have to. There would be a lot of work involved uh, yeah. to to do that to determine. Um, I don't know how you do that, but that'd be really interesting. Uh, we'll have to talk to Warren. <laughs> yeah, I'll get him when he's not drinking. You <laughs> know, get him when he is. is how you can get oh. this stuff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Wow. It just, it, you know, the thing about, I think, I think the thing that I love talking about this kind of stuff is like, there's so much we don't know, right? And it's just like your mind just races of like, what is really going on? I mean, just talking about this smell thing, yeah, I, I mean, do, do, do we really think about how much that matters to snakes, you know, no. that
2: much, you know? And, you know, the, one of the things that it drives me nuts is you get a lot of people that say, oh, you're thinking too much. You're thinking too much about it. It's not. I'm like, why? These are things that are interesting to think about. You know, yeah. like, why wouldn't I be excited if, you know, because of the urates and the in the scat and all that stuff. It's like, OK, maybe that doesn't have it. Maybe that doesn't mean or affect they're going to breed. But still, it's an interesting biological factor of these animals in the wild. This is what they do. Yeah. You know, so right. why not allow them do what they do? You know, so it's yeah. like my opinion, there's never too much thinking, you know, it, because no. that's how we come up with great ideas, and we come up with topics, and we fuel the passion for what we enjoy doing. Yeah, and
0: always be thinking about the next one. I, I what, where, where were we? Was it Kakadu that like, Keith's like they're right over there? I wonder what they're <laughs> doing right now. I'm like, we are standing on top of a thing in Australia. Keith, he's like, yes, but they're they're so close. I'm like, the bull and I. He's like, yes. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so.
3: Well, that's that's one of the things that. I would really love to go with Ari about when Ari sends and posts pictures and videos, especially the videos, I don't even look at the snake that everybody else is looking at. I'm looking at the, the, the environment, the, the mm-hmm. environment, the, the mist clouds above them, the fact that they're all wearing little jackets and trying to see how deep Ari's feet sink into the... It- uh, you know, forest floor as he's walking, and I'm trying to like that's what I want to experience. I don't care if Ari took me there and I didn't even see a ball and eye, I want to go just see where they live. You know what I mean? I'll show you a bowl though.
0: We'll get you a and <laughs> You know, it's I wonder a-
1: if um, pa- nope. pa- uh, Apadura kind of falls into that same box with the males are hard to find and you know, they Gee, that, that whole thing. That. So I wonder. I wonder how much that uh, you know comes into play with those, with I just species in Papua like New Guinea. A
2: lot of different species in general, because it's something so simple that's like. I mean, I'm not to say I'm not saying for people are going to listen like, oh, they're saying the only way you can breathe these is if you leave piss and shit in there. I am like, no, that's not what we're saying. <laughs> you know, it's like I think it plays a lot in the biology of the animal, and in mm. you, yes. want, you want a healthy animal, you want it. You know, physically healthy. You know, psychologically healthy. You don't want to freaked up one. You know, um, so I, I think it really plays a lot. I I had my own experience with Apadora last year. I tried for the first time, and they're incredible. But I ended yeah. up them to my friend who works with them because the I had my I've never had a big python eat another big python before. Yeah, and did did that happen? It's crazy. The female ate. I had a male with the female for months no problems and then all of a sudden i walked in there and she was as big as a trash can and he was gone no, no. that's but, my biggest fear but she did not regurge him, which i was thankful for i said if you're going to do it might as well consume him because you know but it, it was I, I was wow i was like i was blown away i was absolutely blown yeah. away and i and i hear that's a big issue with Apodora.
1: oh yeah
0: them and ring pythons i i recently got a ring python female because um the breeder who had her was fed up cuz she killed two males don't uh, know if you have babies because i lost our pair and i need some i will hook you up if that if that happens you know
1: yeah yeah i don't know man i i just think there's like a lot of like um things that we've been told all of our herpetoculture hobby time about you know why snakes do things they do you know and i think some of it is i'm not saying that it's not true but like i i just look for validation for those things to either be true or not true if that makes Mm. sense you know like trying to like really figure it out
2: i think there's a lot of things uh that we can take from a lot of these old schoolers and old experiences that are that are you know incredibly beneficial uh but there's yeah. a lot of we're still just still you know coming up i mean because look at it this way i mean like 20 years ago would you have thought people would be great scrub pythons you know not not in the not in no the way, way they're being bred now yeah no way uh-uh. you know? like, there's some people that are just killing it you know that have that have yeah. so comfortable saying they figured it out they know what they're doing you know there is a routine to what's going on i mean, I mean that's the other thing it's like some of this stuff that's being bred now is like wow i mean the the Tracy eye that was huge you know mm-hmm. that's still yeah. you know still one that I think we're, that is still being figured out but like where it's going is right in the right direction you know uh, yeah. and as well as Bolan eye too it's still going to be a species I think that'll always be a little tricky but there'll be yeah. almost like a you know it's like it, there'll be a, a, a not a guidelines but there'll be like you know what to look for you know and that'll help out a lot right
1: right. Like you're on the right path if the female mm-hmm. does X and the male right. does Y, and you know you see yeah. certain behaviors and stuff.
2: Yeah, exactly.
3: I so there were, were certainly, people. I, I think we're certainly keeping them healthier than we were 25 years ago. I completely, uh,
2: completely agree. I think the husbandry has gone. You know, I think the husbandry has has really taken off um, in in providing the more. Uh, has really shown to be beneficial to them in the long run, you know. uh, Now it's just, you know, fine-tuning the husbandry to, you know, not so many feedings or not doing this or not doing Mm -hmm. that, and then trying to hold it down into getting reproduction success.
0: Right. Yeah. Hmm. That'll be cool when that stuff happens. Then we'll have to pick a new—we'll have to get Owen Pellys just so we can have a new thing (laughs) that we can't breed. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: I heard our own aren't that difficult.
0: <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> well, yeah. If you got They're them, just red. If I got them, you
4: can get them. <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not like the Bolans where it's hard to do it, you know. So there were people that had success this year. That's good. Was, I didn't know was, that. I didn't realize that.
2: People that one person produced uh, his second, second clutch. Cool. In um, a row. And um, another person produced again. Uh, another clutch, but the, they were in, uh, non-viable. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they started off viable, but then became, you know, infertile or whatever. I don't know something happened, but uh, and it was the second time he did that. So I feel mm-hmm. like these two guys are on the right, right path, and they're they're good they're good people. So it's just I, I, they, I didn't tell him I was going to talk about it, so I don't want to say their name. So oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm not,
1: not, I don't <laughs> care about they're the real, name. I just.
2: I just um, want to know
0: about the snakes. Yeah, we don't care about the <laughs> people.
1: Yeah, like, I
2: have large groups of them too with, at their disposal to use. So it's like you know, not disposal, but you know what I mean. Like, mm. so they can try different things. They can use multiple animals. Wink, wink, uh, things like
1: that. <laughs> right.
2: Um, but yeah, that yeah.
1: seems to be like Keith. Like when you were bringing in blood pythons, whereas were you bringing in like a? Were you working with big groups of them? Like you had Oh yeah,
3: like, I had fifty breeders.
0: Jesus Christ! Oh, wow. Oh, so he had nothing to do, and then one day when there was a when there like a, a storm came through, he was just basically drowning in like <laughs> piss and shit. Right? Yeah, Is that it?
3: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah they all went loose at the same time. Exactly. was so like, <laughs> no. like cleaning horse stalls. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sounds fun.
3: <laughs> yeah. <Thank> God no.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Wow. Okay. So what? What other takeaways did you have from the from the trip? Anything this else? Trip, um? Yeah.
2: Um, so the nest, the, the egg, the old egg thing was really, really cool. The night like that positive. I was pleased to do that. Um, I was able to, you know, let everybody know that, you know, I'm back, you know, that was good too, (laughs) you know, and then, (laughs) and then, you know, as I was leaving too, I was talking to somebody and there was another area that I'm going to go visit next time. It's a different place that I've been at. Uh, so I'm going to go check and see what the variables are there and if the environment is any way different. Uh, or the nesting, you know, biology is different of any sort to see, you know, if this, in fact, is something, you know, that's, you know, set in stone, really, with what they do. So, um,
3: Or you should touch base a little bit, though, about the actual traveling, because people think, like, oh, it's a no oh. big deal. I'm just going to go there and it's not a thing. But, like, ours has been approached with, you know, guys with machetes saying, hey, what kind was, of money you yeah. got? It was, you know, it you well don't have that in Australia, wrong. you know?
2: <laughs> I mean, I tell. I mean, I I, I don't bullshit with you know if somebody asks me, and I certainly don't bullshit with Keith on it. And I and I asked him because he asked me. He's like, man, I'd love to go, but tell me how dangerous it is. And I was like, it's dangerous. I was like, it, it it's dangerous. You know, it's uh, yeah. uh, it it still is. You know, it's um, it it's exhausting to get there because you have to fly forever. It's like it's like three days, three days mm. to get. There. It's like you know, I think when I was set, well, when I was all. All done I was like on a dozen planes when I came back like going here there it's just it's so far and so remote that's one of the things you don't really realize yes um, but you are out in the middle of nowhere like it is you are gone you know but, I mean, but,
3: I, but are you got the experience to know how to handle yourself when because yeah. you know the people and you know how they react to your reactions you know what I mean like it's not like I'm in New York City and I know how to deal with a tough guy yeah. because you know what I mean. Like if you dealt with it there like that, you're done. You know what yeah, I mean. Like it's so a different...
2: if you go on the uh, if you go on the uh, you know the defensive side of it, it's not going to work out for you well at all. Mm. Uh, and it's uh, I've had you know I've had some scary not really scary. I mean I I don't know I I I'm always used to whatever like being in high stress situations. I guess. <laughs> But um, so I'm used to being in like, you know, I've got to I've got to think like this instant. What do I got to do? Because this could be a bad scenario. So I'm used to dealing that way. And I've, I've had I've had arrows pointed at me uh, with the full intent of, of shooting me. Um, I've had uh, a couple of years ago, my last trip back before the covid, I had some people when they stopped our truck. You know, I, my, my buddy and I were, were driving back and they stopped our truck and I saw it ahead of us. And I was like, oh, here we go. And they were wasted, and, and I had, you know, I had a guy with a big river rock pressing it against my head. Like, he's like, I'm going to smash your skull if you don't give me what you have, you know? I mean, right. you know, and, and the other thing, too, it's like, it's not just that. I mean, you know, people, uh, there was a couple people that got raped last year that were there. Jesus. There's wow. people that are getting kidnapped. I mean, it it, it is not a safe place. And, and, you know, I always get, like, asked by all these people, like, oh, I want to go with you so bad. I want to go with you so bad. It was like, you know, I... I I would love to be able to share, share this with so many people, but it's, I don't want that on my conscience because it yeah. is right. dangerous. I mean, it is. And I'm not just saying that to kind of make it sound like I'm like, Oh, look at me. It is dangerous. Um, I mean, it, yeah, you're not, if you're not physically harmed, you are going to be monetarily drained to the point where you can't go anywhere because they will take everything you have. Um, Jeez. and it's not just the locals too. It's, mm. it's, military and everything it's you know it's greasing palms still exists very very well uh there um yeah get, it
1: sounds similar to what uh they were talking about on the trip to africa you know it was just like oh my gosh like every yeah. every you know you just stopping and greasing palms and
2: yeah i mean and, and it's like you know i'm i'm very like I, I go in i've been doing this so long now i just go in you know, and I do what I do. I don't interact with people I don't need to interact with if I don't know them. I mean, obviously, I'm a friendly person when I when I go and I talk to people and I speak Indonesian to them and they get excited and they ask me where I'm from and then they ask me what I'm there for. And I say, oh, I'm visiting friends, you know, or something like that. And, but, like, I, I get, I mean, I have issues. Every time I go, I have somebody that tries to be stupid with me. Um, and, mm. like, you know, I always have to deal with it and it's like, you know, Fortunately, I've I've been able to to come home every time and stuff. But it is always in the back of my head when I'm there that I can disappear very very quick. Um, right. I do have a very very good family group out there that I've been dealing with and living with for most of fifteen years now. So, you know, obviously, you know they're gonna they're gonna have my back if I need anything. But it is it is it's dangerous. I, I I'm. Um, Uh, My wife really, really wants to go with me, and I'm absolutely torn uh, that I cannot take her. Um, Right. Because it's not just that it's a woman, but it's also how does – because you've got to also understand not just the physical danger. There's a cultural difference with a lot of places, especially in Indonesia, where women are still looked down upon. Yeah. So That can change the dynamic of a trip very quickly or a whole situation. So those are things that you have to consider when you say, oh, it's fine, no problem. It's like, well, no, it's fine for you. But these people that I've been knowing for, you know, a decade, they might react completely different to me if I bring a woman with me. Mm -hmm. Sure. So those things, you know, and then also, you know, attention is a big one. Like pop people are very, very smart and very observant. They see anything that's different. They're going to be drawn to it right away. And it's not a bad thing. It's just how they are by nature. They're curious people, but a lot of people are shitty. So you have to take that in consideration too. Like, so if I get off the plane with six foot five, Keith, you know, (laughs) 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 he draws attention. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Uh, So that's something that I would have to take in consideration as far as how to, to deal with, because, it's something different, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. and being white going there and stuff, I still get I still get looks. And I mean, I'm pretty dark skinned and, and I speak enough Indonesian that I blend in really quick with people. And then they see that I'm not, you know, a bullshit tourist or something like that, trying to, you know, do something. They're like, oh, this guy's whatever. He's he's we're not interested in him. You know, never mind, you know, mm-hmm. like that. Right. But it's you know, I I I'll, it's it's so hard because I hear these people, they're like, "Oh, I want to go! I want to go!" And it's like, I would love to take some of these people to this place, but it's just dangerous, man. It's just dangerous, you know. Yeah. And, and the only reason I go still, well, is because I'm. I, this is what I do, but I've been going for so long, so I know what to do, um, right? And what not to do. <laughs> so,
1: how did you learn that? Though, were you taught that, or did you just uh, learn I, it by just doing it?
2: real, like, observant person, and and it's funny, because I talked to to Keith about this, I was like, man, I was like, you know, it was like, as as reptile people, we're always watching, we're always looking at because that's what we do, we watch our animals, you know, you see something in the corner of your eye, you look, you know, it's like, oh, what is that? So I'm always observing people, and a lot of times, I don't say anything when I'm there, and I'll just watch people, and I'll read people, and I'm just good at doing that, so I can avoid a situation if it presents itself, and I'm, I'm very calm in high, in high stress level situations. So that helps mm-hmm. Especially yeah. <laughs> river rock at the side of my head, you know, it's like, four point arrow at like, Hey, let's sit down and have coffee, smoke this cigarette, and figure out what you want, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, there's a lot of different things about it, but it's, it's an amazing place. Um, it's an incredible place. Uh, it'll always be my home away from home. It'll always be the place that, Gets me thinking and makes me feel like I, I did a video that I posted up with some of videos I had. I mean, traveling out there and stuff, and, mm. and off the Keith. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but but I, I was talking about there, saying you know, in it like you know, saying Papua can be a very dangerous place. However, I feel very comfortable and content when I'm there, which is weird, and I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good. <laughs> a don't like, you know. A little bit of
0: both. Yeah. You know, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, though.
1: I think that's what I, 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 you know, well, besides, I love carpet pythons, but that's yeah. what I love about Australia is like you sort of get that same type of feel to a certain extent. I would imagine. I don't know. I've never been to Papua New Guinea, but like yeah. it's so remote and Kakadu yeah. and, you know, in there in the middle of Australia, but you still, they're very close to us you know
3: <laughs> like, yeah, like, like we language. worried if, we just worried if the tour other tourists took your phone that was our big concern. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the doritos yeah. were all
0: weird flavors yeah, yeah. so the only bad thing yeah yeah but um, right
2: still places i'm sure there that you know are kind of sketchy and stuff like that yeah right? oh
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. no
2: doubt no you doubt. know like i don't know but like you know i when, when i go where i go you know um you know pardon my expression i don't i don't fuck around you know mm-hmm. i get in I know where I'm going. I go where I go and and I do what I do. I don't, you know, flop around and you know, show off everything I've got with me. I don't pull out all these fancy scientific equipment and stuff in front of all these people, you know. I mean I, I do have a lot of cool equipment I bring with me to, you know, to, you know, photograph and video and you know, take temperatures and UV and all sorts of stuff. And and I bring that stuff out when I'm in the field, when I'm remote. But, like, I wouldn't be flashing stuff around like that in town or anything. You know, I want to be as low-key and as out of the norm or as as, the, as as much of the norm as possible when I'm there. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people just don't understand that. You know, it's like, I'm going to get off the plane. I'm going to wear the loudest-looking clothes. <laughs> shit. You know, I'm going to be like, I'm going to look like I haven't been done for a month. So I'm going to be, starving. you know, I'm just going to... Yeah. Be- it's like no, it doesn't. It doesn't work that way. I mean, I told Keith, I was like, "I'll take you." I was like, "I'll take you one of these days," um, but and, and like I have people contact me asking, I was like, "I'll take you. I'll take you to Papua, but I'm not going to take you any further." I was like, "I won't do that. That's not on me." Thank you. To a place. <laughs> I'll take. I'll take you to look for scrub pythons or apodora or white lips or chondros, but I won't take you to look for bones because it's just not safe. <laughs> you know, God, is it safer? A fun trip.
1: Is it safe for, like, if you were in, like, Meraki or something like that? Is that is that somewhat?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, those areas are fine. I, I mean, it's, it once you the once you get exposed to, like, the element there, then it's a different thing. Like, you know, because I was mm. in, like— Gotcha. I, I spent a decent amount of time in Makassar when I was there this last time, too. Like, I spent, like, four or five days in Makassar, and I was, you know, farting around out there and stuff looking for things. and. You know, and it's, it's just the typical Indonesian stuff, but, like, certain areas when you go, like, you just have to be careful. In and, and Papua, like, when you start going further, further into Papua is where it starts getting sketchy. Mm. And, yeah. and if, you're not, if you've are if you never been, I don't suggest going by yourself or with, depending on who you go with, too. I mean, there's not a lot of people that go there. Um, but it's like, you know, like I was telling people, I was like, yeah, I was like if somebody wants to go, it's like, you know. You know, I'll take you to I'll take you to a certain part. I'll take you to Jayapura or something like that, and I can show you this and that and stuff. But I was like, I'm not going to take you more inland. Uh, it's just not safe, you know. And plus, I don't want somebody to fuck up my work. <laughs> no, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get back there every year. You know, it's like yeah, you know, it's what I do.
1: Yeah, because could that that could even affect the, the how they treat you the next time, right? Oh, like it, you were saying it, earlier about bringing your wife. You know,
2: yeah, yeah. You know? It could I? Could, I could bring I could bring I could bring somebody with me who it turns out to be a total jackass and just mm-hmm. does. It stupid stuff and that would yeah. be in their memory when every time i come back and, and knowing how a lot of the pop when people are because i have a lot of them as friends they'll always bring that memory up they'll talk about the oldest shit <laughs> you know right so like, oh you remember when you brought this guy i was like yeah i right. remember that guy you know <laughs> or something like that so it's it's just i mean it's it's a special place but it's not a special place for everybody you know that's right that's the right. thing and,
1: if, not. if you could teleport to where the bowling nest is, oh, then God. it's a special place. Yeah, easy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> be there every weekend. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd be there, I, I'd be there every weekend. And so, you know, that's why I always yeah. laugh. Oh, what, what would be your superpower? They're like, oh, I want to shoot lasers. I'm like, man, I want teleportation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. <Maybe>. Hell <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs>
1: you know? Uh, 100%. 100%. So, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm curious, right? I, I rack my brains, right, packing to go to Australia. what Or shit, even to go to West Texas or something like that. I'm like, oh, do I have enough of this? Do I have the batteries, this, that, all this stuff? Like, what is it like to pack? Not only – I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're bringing provisions as far as food and stuff like that. So, like, what 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 does that entail?
2: So, like, when I travel – when I go to my, when my, my site, so I usually – you know, I, I pack – I try to pack as light as I can, like – wise because like most of it's all like equipment stuff I'm bringing like so like I have a drone with me I have all these uh, temperature environmental you know uh, equipment uh, my camera gear you know stuff like that you know ponchos you know I've got you know things you know rubber boots all this stuff so I've got all that stuff that way I can do that and then you know and then I always carry a medic bag with me no matter where I travel to especially when I'm in Papua and that is just like my essentials that things I know I can't get there like Theraflu or or U S based drugs that I know are going to be a lot better quality than what I could get there. And I don't have to go search for them. So I right. always, have, I always have my satellite phone with me, by the way, I'm sending that out this week to you, Keith. Um, you. You're welcome. So, um, I always bring my satellite phone with me because where I'm at, there's very, very spotty connection. Um, I have, what else do I bring with me? uh, uh very few clothes. Um, I usually will get stinky while I'm out there, so I know I'm working, you know. Um, right. <laughs> right. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, it's mostly that <laughs> kind of stuff that I bring with me. Uh, I try to keep it simple and sweet. I always bring a flash card drive with me. I don't know why. Uh, uh, just in case I want to get a picture somebody might have or something like that. Or mm-hmm. uh, Lots of um, lots of backup battery uh, packs I use for my cell phone if I need or for charging right. and stuff. Six or no, I think I, have, I think I have four of those um power banks that are solar charging those gotcha. with yep. me nice. What else do I have? uh What about water? So, I when I go into when I'm in town, when I'm in the town before because it's like a two and a half hour drive by four wheel drive to get to the site, and then it's to the village, and then from the village, we walk. So, what we do is before we head into the village, I, um, I stock up on water. I stock up on rice. I stock up on noodles and I bring all that stuff into the village because I always pay for food for the village. Um, okay. so I, I, feed basically the whole village while I'm there. Um, and it's kind of like, I always give them money to just to kind of say, Hey, you know, it's me again. Here's some money. You know, it's good seeing you. I hope this helps out. I'm paying for food also. Mm. So I don't have to carry, you know, when I'm hiking and stuff, I carry water, but, um, not as much yeah. as I, do, but I don't think if there's anything else I carry with me. Um, i all sorts of stuff I bring. Um, but, uh, but you know, for the most part, it's, like, real practical things that I couldn't get out here mm-hmm. uh, can help me out there if I need. Like, the, the big one is, like, the medic pack because, like, I have, like, yeah. you know, Tylenol and flu medicine and, and stuff like that because it, it, you need that. So you're going to need it, you know, somewhere or, not, or somebody's going to need it. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and then the back, all that stuff.
1: When you first started going there right and to your site or whatever um i get well i guess you had somebody taking you to that site but like how do you figure out that ahead of time like is it just sort of like i'm going to go to this village and see what like
2: i was talking to people and it took me about two or three trips to actually get to a site where there was a snake uh, because everybody and everybody's like, Oh, I've seen that animal. I know where that's at. Oh, that's <laughs> like, Oh, here, give me 20 bucks. I'll take, give me 20 bucks. Well, 20 bucks goes real fast when you start talking to everybody in their neighbor, you know, like, mm-hmm. every, you know, so it took me, it took me about two or three years to actually get hooked up with somebody that was local there that trusted me and I could trust before I could start seeing results. Um, gotcha. so a lot of legwork. <laughs> So and all the and it was all people that that I met on my own. So it wasn't like I jumped on somebody else's coattail or anything. I did, I did all the hard work to 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 meet somebody and, and say, okay, this is person's legit. You know, this all this, this that and you know and and, uh, and and you know and I went from there. So,
1: man, that's just dedication, man. I yeah. I, I respect you in a way that you, uh, man. I I, I mean yeah, just I, to go through all never, that to find a snake, you know, and like,
2: why don't you go somewhere else? It was like I can't. <laughs> I have to build all, all that stuff in the other place. Yeah, yeah. I invested almost fifteen years of my life going here. Why, why not keep going? You know, let's keep going. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. know? Yeah. you know, So it's uh, you know, it can't stop. That's the thing.
3: You're are really the, our only only finger on the pulse when it comes <laughs> to, to Bol and I over there. You know what I mean? Really, who else are you gonna yeah. talk to? Yeah, to, well, to, to get that,
2: you know. Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, I'm the only one that's doing consec doing consistent field work, mm-hmm. consistent work. Um,
1: I I don't uh, even think there's anybody really, even in the academic world, really doing a, a lot of work. I mean, I think of Daniel Natouche or somebody like that, Jessica Loins, Um, But like, you know, just doing anything on Indonesian pythons in general, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Wrong, but
2: don't think there's anybody that's doing anything like with what I'm doing um with the and it's
1: probably because it's so hard to get there
2: yeah <laughs> you know just it's expensive it takes a lot of time and it's just like and it's it's hard like
3: yeah well mm-hmm. yeah, let's let's face it though a lot of people today they just want to go and they want to see a Boland's python and they want to film it so they can post it and then they're done with it and then they move on to the next thing yeah you know, exactly. like, that was you know I have, what what you're doing is totally different like you'll go and like you say you just picking up that female being scarred is like mm-hmm. information that you really that's what you got over the last two years you know what i mean yeah well
2: yeah. like you know, um if it was the case of just being able to i mean and i agree a lot of people just want to go and see it and there's nothing wrong with that but it's like you know at the same level now it's like you know the Use it for like the new clickbait or something like that, and it's like you know there's more there's another side of why they're doing it, and 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 I'm not doing that because I literally have a terabyte of video and photos that I've taken from over a decade of there, and and I very rarely post any of that stuff,
0: mm-hmm. like it's
2: just because it's it's mine, you know, it's like I want to I want to share it right. with the community, I want to share it with people that are going to appreciate it, and and you guys yeah. know I'm certainly one of the people that likes that shares whenever asked. So it's like, you know, that's what my, that's what my goal is. I'm not looking for any kind, there's no hidden agenda with mine at all. It's just, it's just, I'm going out there to study these animals because I absolutely love these snakes and that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I want to record it and share it with people and, and, and try to figure out what we're doing with these animals to help better them off in captivity and in the wild. You know, that's what I want to do. You know, it's like I don't care if it's like, you know, going to get me an extra thousand likes on my channel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You, know, you didn't do a cock dance with the bull <laughs> and I, or anything like
2: that. That was an opportunity missed. If Man. that
0: was
2: uh, like like if that was the case, I, I've I've got I've got hundreds and hundreds of photos and hundreds of videos of, of things that nobody's ever seen out there that I that I posted. You know, I just decided to do that one recently because I was like, Keith, I'm gonna send some, post something up. So he's like, Oh, I started crying. I'm like, Okay, cool. can't too many tears okay
1: (laughs) you know i like to have i i have video of all of our trips that we went on and like even the ones in the u.s and everything and i i i just wait and wait to put together a video and all and then sometimes i kind of feel similar to you it's like no this is this is this was our trip and this was our experience and like yeah i don't know if i necessarily want more than what's out there that's there you know Mm -hmm. um yeah, I, I can relate to that for sure.
2: I feel like I think I feel like a lot of people are like, you know, like they take advantage of it. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you're giving a piece of your you're giving a piece of your life for that moment. You know? Yeah. And, you know, and if for me, if it's like, you know, if, if you call if you called me up or, you know, Owen called me up or Kito called me up and said, hey, do you have any video bowling? I in the wild out bassing? and he was like, yeah, sure. Could you send it to me? I was like, yeah, no problem. Yeah, of course. Here it comes. Right. So- yeah. But for the majority of people that ask for it, I feel like it, it it's not the intention for it is hidden, you know, like right. there's something wanted for it. And it's not like and I, I wanted to say, do you realize like like you guys know, like what went into what went into filming that? Like I yeah. had to fly across the world, been on three planes just to get that once or more than that, four or five planes. I spent thousands of dollars. To yeah. Get I risked my life for 10 seconds of footage, you know? Right. Like, why share it? Yeah, I've been no,
1: thinking a I, lot about the whole, you know, um, the whole thing with um, you know YouTube and the 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 old against the new and all that kind of thinking. And I, I, you know, the thing that I've come to think about, it's like I think that the the people that are like the uh, content creator, whatever you want to call them, however you want to put them, are like they have their idea of what a YouTube video should be. And that's fine, right? That's that's your prerogative, but like don't hate us because we don't like what the content that you're putting out. You know what I mean? Like if we're going to criticize your content, it's because we don't like it. Like it, yeah. I think f- for us, like the four of us right here, we're snake geeks, right? We want to yeah. see geeky snake stuff. We don't want to yeah. see you holding a something or that like to me that's not I don't know, it just doesn't do anything for me. But like <laughs> I, I think it really just comes down to you're making the wrong content if you want to get that group of people.
2: Yeah. And, and the the thing like social media in general is just my whole view on it is it's like I think social media is an incredibly powerful tool. However, yeah. it is incredibly dangerous and it creates a lot of negative things if done. Yes. Correctly. I think there's some awesome YouTube content creators out there. I've got a lot of friends out yeah. Doing, yep. They're doing awesome stuff. But there's yeah. some people out there, they're doing some real shit too that's not helping anybody out and it's not doing anything. You know, and, yeah. and I think a lot of the younger YouTube content creators um are trying to cater positively to this younger generation that's coming through. Cause I mean, we're all in this, same yeah. generation except for Mr. Mick oldie pants over there. <laughs> you know, so, Oh, what's going on. I love you, man. So, I, so, you know, the way that like, cause I have a 13 year old daughter and, and I see right. what, I see what she's into and I see what she follows online and all this and that. It is flashy and it's funny and it's edgy and all this stuff. And, and, and I, and I think these younger creators are trying to cater to that, but, but, but they have to tread really carefully with how they do it because, mm-hmm. These people that see this YouTube is, is what is going on. So they see this and they, they, they base everything off of what they're seeing on TV or on, on this YouTube essentially. So where you yeah. know, so it's different. It's a, it can be a very dangerous or a very slippery, slippery slope in a lot of ways with, with what's going on, but there's some really great content out there. Um, Oh yeah. Fun. Um, it's just you know it's just you know it's, it's, it's a different age now it's it's weird you know
1: yeah it's 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 kind of like I kind of feel like Steve Irwin was that to us right mm. our generation I, I was, was kind of like st- I was
2: more Marco Shea. both work I'm not uh,
1: yeah. I, yeah I'm 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 more probably and, and it's similar to what I'm I'm gonna say right like you had Steve Irwin on one spectrum yeah. who's doing it and then you got you know Marco Shea on the other spectrum, who's like, if I don't go out and find it, we didn't find it. You know, yeah, if, yeah. if uh, you know, it's it's not a, but you know, both- he's he's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. And I think you know, it was sort of the pushback that a lot of people gave about Steve Irwin. But I think back in those days, there was only those two, right? So yeah. I mean, now you have thousands of people doing the same thing, so it's just intensified. So I think that same. Push that people had against Steve Irwin is the same push that people have against that today. Like you're ruining, not not ruining. I don't know if that's the right word or whatever, but like, uh, you know, you're you're portraying the hobby or reptiles in a bad light as opposed to you know the Marco O'Shea who's trying yeah. to show you why these animals are so cool. And to me, that's the thing I stand. On. These are so cool. You don't need all that flash. You
2: know? Yeah, and, but, and I think that, it, and it can be also too. Like I'm more of a. Um, I don't know. Or looking at it as a scientific, even as a kid, I was like more like, like wanting to know the, like the biology of it. Like, Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and that's why I gravitated more towards Marco. Shea. I mean, obviously, you know, Jeff Corwin was out there also too. He was coming yeah. up, with, but I would mm-hmm. always Marco Shea because he's like, we didn't find it. We didn't find it, but we always found something cool, you know? And it's like, you know, something like that, but where I didn't get, I didn't get hooked into the Steve Irwin phase for me because I felt like it was too much in your face like it was this is right. what it is. Blah, blah 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 but but it was di- it was a different scenario with the O'Shea stuff and what I would appeal to me mm-hmm. um, so I can see that with a lot of this YouTube stuff it's just interesting it's because a lot of these kids are like they're really interested and really excited and passionate about reptiles and stuff but they just don't really know where to go you know and it's there's so many yeah. options like you were saying, before, it was only two or three guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like you don't need to have you don't need to have a, a a channel deal with Discovery to be able to do stuff. You can just log up on Correct. Your YouTube, you know? Yeah. Which
1: just on that alone is is awesome. You know, yeah. I mean that that mm-hmm. that just alone is just an awesome thing. I think that yeah. goes across music as well. It's the same thing. You could have somebody that's super talented that you know yeah. can can get out there and be out there and known and whatnot.
2: The act of it before, like we never had act that kind of stuff, kids. You know, but now, oh, no. you know, <laughs> crazy. I mean, Keith I mean, was talking in a paper cup with a string. <laughs> hey, I only yeah. have Fred
3: Flintstone with Dino to
0: look at. Yeah. Him, so. <laughs> right. Keith had a rock in yeah. his stick, and he was happy for that rock. You know, that That's was right. his favorite rock. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <That's true>. yeah. <laughs> yeah so. I, I don't know. I just thought I'm with you. I always felt that the the animals, you know, like I I think when I walk, the difference between was like say watching Marco Shea as opposed to Steve Irwin, right? It's like you feel like you're on the trip. Yeah. You know, yeah,
2: and yeah, that's as I, opposed
1: to just seeing the flash of,
2: you know, look at this. Yeah. Just as an individual, I like with reptiles, I like everything about that reptile, like whether it be a chameleon or a bold python or a crocodile. I want to know everything that's not just, you know, environment. I want to know the process of getting there. I want to know the people. 100 mm-hmm. I want to know what they ate, you know. You know how they started the fire in the jungle. You know I want to know all that stuff because that's it's it's part of the adventure, part of the allure. You know, and then as opposed to you know just you know having it in your face. You know, it's just not my thing. You know.
3: Well, see, so I like when I, the way I look at it is like take a rhino viper, right? You could put that behind a piece of glass, and I could sit there and just look at the scales around the horn on the nose, the way yeah. the <laughs> the the tongue comes out of the mouth and all that kind of stuff i don't need somebody free handling that to make that animal exciting for me right. you know yeah, what i mean right because then the person that that's exciting for and then says wow that's really cool it's not the scales around the nose it's not how the eye moves when it yeah. sees something move. it's just well it's really cool if you can hold this thing and not get tagged by it yeah right it's really you know cool what I mean?
2: hey Hundred eighty thousand dollars for all the serum that you are going to need if you get yeah. pop. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, you get you the same thrill by playing Russian roulette on on <laughs> YouTube, right? Like that's yeah. the same. That's what you are doing pretty much. Is click? Nope, not today. Like yeah. it's
3: yeah. yeah. That's why I get frustrated with it. I love that it's bringing people into the hobby to see reptiles and all that kind of thing. And, and yeah. Make- but, but do they like the reptile at the end of the day or they just like the excitement and the show of it? Yeah, that,
2: I mean? and, and that's a good point, too, because mm-hmm. a lot is they want to see. Well, like, um, for instance, uh, the uh, who is the guy that was getting bit by everything? Uh, Coyote Peterson. Was it OK? God, I hate that. Guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks. So. Yeah. so he was doing all that stuff where he was getting stung by stuff. Right. Right. You know, which I thought was entertaining because I've always wanted to know what it was like getting stung by a velvet ant as a kid. But I got to watch. Right. It it. So, hey, this guy's going to do it. Saves me the hassle. You know, but right. you know, the only reason that, you know, my daughter was looking at that is because he got he gets bit by a 12 a inch the scolopendra's heroes. You know, it's like I don't want to I, I don't you know, and that's what it, she's like. Oh, I can't wait for next week because he's going to get bit by this uh, velvet ant. or, uh, <laughs> or And I'm just like. I don't. What about the tarantula hawk, though? Talk about why it's called the tarantula hawk. You
1: know, <laughs> right?
2: No, bad, it hurts. Yeah. You know, but
0: whatever. Each his own, I guess. Th- that those are those kings of pain guys, where it's like they get bit by a a Nile monitor, and I'm like, and they're like, it won't let go. I'm like, yeah, no, they don't do that. <laughs> like that was we've learned something today, and it's like it hurts. I'm like, I I could have told
2: you that you could have avoided all of this. Like, of course it hurts. So. Like it was. It was always comical to me to see somebody, you know, obviously, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't laugh if somebody got different <laughs> something like that. Because, you know, because it happens. It's, we're working with live, but sure. it happens with everything. Yeah. Anything, but I'm not going to make a show about it, you know, just get bit.
3: Well, I think that's what got scary with Bull and I over the last few years, because all of us that have been working with them to try to improve them in captivity and all, they all of a sudden started to become that clickbait snake. And anybody that yeah. wanted to make a name for that, so it got real scary for Ari, myself, Frederick, and all these guys, seeing like what path these that species could go down, um, because people were starting to use it as the prop that everybody needed to have in order to become somebody.
2: Yeah, it, 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 so it's like, you know, they, they, um, how was I gonna say it? Uh, they were getting attention, not in the way that they should be getting attention. You know, like Keith said, it, you know, it's like they should be. You know, I, I want people to understand these animals, understand why they're unique, their environment they come from, what makes them unique, what makes them difficult to keep in captivity, why we can't reproduce them, as opposed to u- utilizing them as something to gain attention for the wrong reason. And, and that's that's a difficult thing. That's when I start getting upset about it because that, that was – it still is kind of scary, you know, because it's like – you know, but at the same time, too, there's a lot of, you know, younger kids that are coming into the hobby – That are very smart and very good at what they're doing, and you know they might be able to figure it out instead of us. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um,
1: That's why a lot of times I hate when older school guys will 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 push back with sort of what you said earlier, like. What, what what do you mean? We already got this figured out. Why do you need to know more? Just do what you're doing. A, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> why? Why ask questions? Just do what <laughs> it. It's yeah. always been done. Yeah. Or don't even give
2: a you know, even, uh, you know a younger kids a time of day. Like, I, remember, I remember going to my first Daytona, and it was like I remember walking. Tom Fretchfield and Stan Cherish were having a conversation, and they had some old 35 millimeter print. They had printed off, and I remember speaking on over. And look in between both of them to see what they were talking about. And they were talking about a leucidic burp. And I remember trying to, like, overhear the whole conversation. And, you know, I'm good friends with Tom. And and I started, and I like to say I'm friends with Dan as well. And it it was funny back then because I remember they were like, who's this kid? Like, we're creeping around over here. We're trying to be good about it, you know. So it's like, you know, I'm always keen to talk to people no matter how young they are. I mean, we should all be. Hell yeah. We should be on the knowledge in a positive way. You Mm -hmm. know, positive man anybody that's because we're all reptile you know geeks you know that's what we love you know yeah
1: i think it's like uh maybe it's maybe i i mean i'm not a dad so i don't know but i think maybe it's part of like a fatherhood type of thing or maybe it's a male thing that's in in me or whatever but i feel like when i'm talking to whether it's somebody in my family that's young or with, you know a, a young kid or whatever about snakes and i'm talking to them and i can see that they're you know they're excited about it i feel like I'm passing information to them that somebody passed to me and it's, it it, it makes me feel excited and good and rejuvenates me as far as like getting excited. Wow. These are cool. Damn. I forgot. I took for granted how cool these were, you know, because I stare at them every day, you know, Mm -hmm. but when you have that other person that is, is fueling that passion back in you and then you're, you're, you're giving them that info. I don't know. It's it's a win-win as far as I see
2: it. I had a conversation uh with all about this a couple months ago. We had we have a big exhibit and I'm not trying to like plug by any means, but don't do that. plug away. We all yeah, want to
1: go plug away, man. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> and uh the um we have a big uh swamp exhibit and we put these golf hammock rat snakes in. You know, I like rat snakes. Right. But like seeing them behave is just very cool. And we were sitting there looking at each other, we're like, man, these are really cool snakes. These are right. <laughs> right. and they reproduce. We have we got six babies a uh, a week ago. They bred on exhibit. Oh no, shit! Yeah, and it was wow. just like really cool. These these are really neat. You know what it's like. You know, it's just like it. it it's like it doesn't necessarily. I, I think one of the things with everybody nowadays is it doesn't have to necessarily be the rarest thing in the world. No, it should be. Right. I mean, it should be anything like rough green snakes. I'm I'm working with a group of rough greens that we have. We're going to put on exhibit because they're super cool and nobody <laughs> yeah, can. Man. You know, I'm yeah, like, hmm. yeah. It's like that. It should be. It should be the passion about working with the animal, and like you know, you should never feel embarrassed about what species you like. You know, like, like crescent geckos are cool, man. It's it's a crescent gecko, whatever. So they're being bred by the, but they're cool. You know.
1: It's like- I I kind of feel that way when I talk to like people from Australia about carpets or if I talk to yeah. like scrub python people about carpets or like green tree people about carpets. It's like, well, your your snake's not pretty enough or your snake's not, you know, like, you know, scrub is jacked up carpet python type of deal, you know, and it's like carpet pythons in Australia is like a dime a dozen. So it's like, ah yeah, whatever. But like, man, just I mean,
2: so it is what it is.
1: Like, yeah. I could be that loser guy, but. They are it, man. I
2: grew up as a so. kid in catching rattlesnakes. And, I, and at that time, I was like, hey, eh, whatever. I'm not a really big fan of the desert. God, I miss it so much. Like, you know, I miss catching uh, rattlesnakes. Mm-hmm. Now everybody, oh, my God, you caught rattlesnakes when you were a kid. Oh, that's so cool. You know, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's all right. But they're awesome. You know, it's <gasps> yeah. cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was another thing. Like you know, uh, talking with Scott Iper about that, he was sort of saying like that we take Nipper was another one. Nipper Reed, he was telling me that we take for granted the stuff that we have in our own backyard. And I was like, you know what, he's kind of right, you know. And then when you go and see all these different species of rattlesnakes out in Arizona, you're like, holy shit! <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: holy yes. shit!
2: These are go cool. even it's really, further. You like know. We, we've got um, we've got a bunch of different rattlesnakes, and, and they're just. I think one of the things is it's just they're so iconic. You know, even if you – I mean, it's yeah. just a rattlesnake. Everybody knows what a rattlesnake is, and, yeah. and it, they're very interesting. And and we get to see, like, really cool behavior. Like, we have some timbers uh, in a big enclosure, and and the males are, like, combating up at the glass and stuff. <laughs> That's <like> that. awesome. <laughs> and behavior that you would never get to see activity in a regular size enclosure for no. that matter. So it's like, you know, we really do take advantage of, you know, like really – Kind of overlook what we have in our own backyard. It's, you know, it's, uh,
0: yeah,
2: but you know, that's what we do.
0: It's, yeah, it, Eric
2: and I got to, what were you going to say? Owen? Hell, we got to go out for hellbenders
0: because, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. 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 some. how could you not want to find a gecko that's like, or a salamander that's like, <laughs> like, gonna, like <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, 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 they're cool. Yeah. I with a bunch of those when I was, uh, at Fort Worth. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They were breeding them and all that stuff. They were pretty cool.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, also, you were going to say even, f- Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Dude, that was neat. What's that? The, uh, giant Chinese, Andreas. Those, that would be cool.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> that would be cool. I would, why not
1: <laughs> add it to your, uh, add it to the head. list of things
0: yeah. I have to go and hurt for eventually. It, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, You, I was gonna say, oh, and you said even further. I don't know if you had, oh, even further, just because that, like, we've
0: I feel like we've barely scratched the surface of just herping in like Pennsylvania and stuff like that, Jersey, Delaware, yeah, with with the hellbenders and stuff like that, yeah, 100%.
1: 100%. Um, I guess, uh, you know, I'm curious, Ari, with the work that you do, how does your relationship with academics? Is that, do you have better a, a or worse c-
2: than normal herp, no, normal <laughs> herpetoculture person? Yeah. I've always been like, you know, uh, like herpetoculturist. Like I've always been like getting my hands and, and I, I shouldn't say that cause I don't want to sound like uh, academics don't do that. But like, I was like more or less like on the private side of it. Like I was always like in the k- keeping and caring and stuff like that. And I never really, right. the academia side of it. And like within the last probably 10 years, I like really started trying to get into that with putting out books and putting out papers that were like noteworthy information and stuff. So like I Mm -hmm. I get a lot of the academia people and and I I would like to get more academically involved as I get older, you know, with what I'm doing because I I want not just because like, it'll be like um, a goal for myself and make me feel happy about what I'm doing, but it'll also be around forever. It won't, it won't die when I die, you know? So it'll be, It'll be in the literature. And I want that, you know, because because I work really hard to do what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would be nice to have it around forever. So everybody else is like, oh, I wonder if anybody's ever done this. Oh, here we go. You know, 2020 already did this, you know, like that. You know, it's like, oh, okay, cool.
1: I often think about that, like I think about say 40 years from now if we're still allowed to keep reptiles right and we're yeah. all uh, you know out of it or uh, you know not here anymore or you know whatever the case would be i wonder if people are going to look at you know guys like you two down below and and sort of what about you up on like, top yeah what do we do we just <laughs> the,
0: the, the podfather <laughs> and his pet monkey i mean this is what we're looking at here uh, but know. uh yeah. i just wonder
1: like you know like i, I it's, it's like you're living in a snapshot of history and you don't realize that you're living in that snapshot of history. But then later on down the line, people are going to look at like say how we look at like the, uh, the Ross and Marchek book, the Blue Bible mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah. You know, that's that's like our like, oh, you know, oh, Pythons yeah. and Boas. Holy shit. This is awesome. Hey, They're yep. going to look at your book. You know, or, you know, when Keith has a book or, you know, what I, mean? I, I, you know, I don't know. I just think about that and be like, oh, I talk to those guys. That's, that's pretty freaking awesome. I'll yeah. uh, put my cloud with my carpet pythons.
2: <laughs> I think, I, I think a lot of it, like, you know, like, I don't know, within this last year, I'd say like, you know, it really kind of dawned on me like how short life is. Like everything moves so fast. Like time just yeah. moves. Yeah.
4: So- mm-hmm.
2: People that we know, people that are close to us, you know, they, they pass and it's like, you know, it's like, why waste, why waste the time we have and not try to leave something behind, you know, mm-hmm. like yep. Something that somebody else can, can utilize, somebody else can enjoy, somebody can remember and say, oh, I remember that instead of not trying, you know, it's like, it, it, you've got to, yeah, you have to do it. That's just, that's just how I think anyways. Like, you know, I'm like, I've always been like that. I was like, I want to do this and I'm going to do it, you know, and nobody's going to get my way. I'm going to do it. You know, it's like, but I want to leave something for people. I want to leave something for people to be able to utilize in a positive, positive way. Mm -hmm.
1: I'm right there with you. That's what drives me to do this. You know, it's like I, you know, I don't really care if we if I make money at it or whatever. I just am trying to figure out a way that I can put my imprint.
0: Yeah, Eric and I are hobby. so millionaires from this show. So <laughs> we're <laughs> drowning in yeah. money. I have 12 I, I, bull and I behind me. Yeah. I just haven't told you guys about
1: it. I just play <laughs> a poor supermarket worker on my daily life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I, I do
3: insurance for fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually want to get the, the book done and I don't care if even one copy goes out. I, I seriously just want it kind of for Eden and my family. Yeah. So that my grandkids and their kids and their grandkids can say, holy shit, back in 2020 or whatever, you know, our great-great-great-grandfather wrote this book. I don't care if it goes out and anybody reads it, but if it's in my family, at least it's something they can look back at and say, wow, this guy was a freak. He dealt with (laughs) snakes his whole freaking life and, you know. But like, seriously, like, you know, it's just something that I can leave to my family more than anything else. That's why I really want to get this book done.
2: Well, I can't wait to get a couple copies of that.
0: I it's,
2: it's Still Data. yes or no if it's going to be a Excuse pop-up book or not. I, mean, I got you a know. spot
1: right here.
3: <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> knowing mental, uh, mental uh, process, I'm expecting it to be six volumes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Encyclopedia
0: Britannica shit is what we're getting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's I'm just sweet. looking forward to herping with him again, you know what I mean? I'm like, I, yeah. I that, to me, that was just like, uh, yeah, it's like time. going to school, you know what I mean? I'm like, wow, this is, this is awesome. Some of us
0: are only slightly bitter, slightly bitter that they're oh, being yeah. left behind. Yeah. You got to get it, It's getting more You're bitter. Right. It's getting more bitter as, <laughs> as we get we closer. Get closer. <laughs> yeah, as we get close, I'm going to be so mad at you at the wedding, I'm going to throw something. Oh, like, then. it's... <laughs>
1: wait till the day after
3: all right fine <laughs> you don't want to be
1: <laughs> mad at your wedding man come on
3: it's a good thing the trip it's a good thing the trip isn't before the wedding like a couple days because then we would all just be sitting around talking about the trip <laughs> be mad. dude oh this my.
1: coastal carpet we found was amazing
2: oh my god i'd be mad <laughs> the last trip it was pretty funny. like i told my wife, like she because she knew i was going and I, and I told her i was like i go you know babe i'm, I'm going back again she goes yeah i know and I was like, I'm not taking it because I know I wish I was, but I know you're not. I'm not. She's like, I was. She goes, Do you realize though that we're getting married the week after you get back? Right? I said, Yeah. <laughs> you better be getting back. And I said, Trust me, I'll get back <laughs> you, because this is the ending of a perfect movie. And I was like, Quit watching movies. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Stop watching those. <laughs>
2: yes. Like oh my god! I was like oh, he's like, no. like don't do anything. Stupid. Like okay, <laughs> you know yeah, me. Yes, I, I do. Like, he follows at a restaurant. <laughs> said hey, I, uh, I'm sending someone to pick you up. Meet me here. I'm like okay. And I go outside with you know still eating my food, and some random guy on a moped picks me up, and I jump on the back with him, and I drive <laughs> off. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I, if seeing, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I sure hope this is my
0: ride.
1: Otherwise, like, <laughs> damn it!
4: <laughs>
1: oh, this turned out poorly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when are you headed back?
2: Yeah. Uh, I'll be b- going back. Um, it'll have to be, obviously, it'll be next year. Uh, I'm going to try to time it uh, earlier in the breeding season this time. I, I Because it just, like, logistics and everything, mm. this, all that, I, it was more important for me to just get back. Um, so I was right at the end of breeding season and the females were already knocked up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to get out there like peak breeding season so I can hopefully witness some combating or or just some breeding oh, nice. and, yeah I mean, my guys my, my guide uh sends me photos when he sees them so uh, of them breeding so I'm like I want to see it in person so I can say it. At- <sighs> uh, but yeah, so that'll That's be the. Awesome probably the next uh the next trip so. but it also depends too like i i might push it a little bit further like mid-year uh just with the the project out here and stuff because i need to get this thing rolling and everything too but but once it's at a point where i can bounce off again i'm going to be gone again that that was
0: the next question well, is yeah. When, yeah when's the zoo open <laughs> i wish like
2: yeah. it's already open god i'm ready for it. i was uh but uh we're, we're getting ready to do a uh a soft opening probably the next month or so i'd say oh cool and, um, it'll be like our first uh like our gift shop area, their ethnographics museum and then our temperate building will be open for people to come in and it'll be a uh, a pre-purchase ticket thing online I think mm-hmm. so we'll have, I don't know like 50 people 50 tickets a day essentially uh, just to get things moving you know people coming in getting starting to generate some 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 income from it and uh and then once and we'll while well, we'll still be working on our two-story building which is uh I'd say it's about seventy percent complete now so okay. oh, cool. Yeah, so
1: enclosures you guys did were amazing. I, mean, I do. They oh, look, look gorgeous. I'm
2: excited. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was in there jackhammering one apart today. Actually, <laughs> 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 interesting <laughs> day. Yeah, this is exactly what it looked like. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's like we well, have these uh, the frontostephalomastatius. They're these uh, toad headed gambas from the Middle East. They're okay. really cool. They have right. like, these players that come out. <laughs> well they started disappearing and i'm like where are these guys going well of course they found a hole underneath one of these rocks that we didn't feel <laughs> all the way so they got underneath all this concrete stuff so i spent the day digging out the exhibit it was just a nightmare so but so but it, it happens so we just you know kept the animals and you know and, and rebuild it and make it better so
3: i think that's an npr trip down the road that we go visit oh my god, god yes! Yeah. oh hell yeah oh god yes yeah.
1: 100
2: more than welcome doors are always open you know?
0: I, I I keep every time um, right you or you guys post something. I, I'm sitting there. And I'm telling my fiance, I'm like, I have to go to Ari's thing. Like, you give me a job, <laughs> like I don't. And she's like, well, we can't move to Texas. I'm like, but,
2: but, but, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. uh, open invitation for you guys anytime. Awesome.
1: Where where in Texas are you guys at? So where places at
2: 45 give or take traffic minutes outside of Austin and an hour outside of San Antonio.
1: Um, okay
2: we're right in the country it's really nice where we're at and we're in like a really rural area so it's i mean it's not like you know hillbilly town but it's it's like right. you know it shuts down at 8 30 basically if you're going to go out so which is nice so i, I really like it um mm. it's just you know because right. i'm not a per- people person like i mean i love giving presentations and stuff like that and i love meeting people but you know i don't really like being around a lot of people so right. it's just so it's nice. I can go outside and it's quiet, and I don't have to hear like the neighbors, you know, blaring their, you know, the stereo and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And they got pig wrestling and all that stuff. I mean, <laughs> you got to go to a place where there's pig wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> what are
0: we
3: doing? <laughs> it's, uh, it's wrestling. It's wrestling. It's
1: not wrestling. <laughs> Owen says, "I will pay any amount of money to any get any amount Eric of money to wrestle, to wrestle a pig. A pig. <laughs> yeah,
2: I will beat that pig. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> that's great." We have really nice herping actually on the property. So we're on 12 acres. And um, we found uh, the other day, my daughter found a baby hognose snake, which is I
3: awesome. I saw that. Oh, yes.
2: It was super cool. So, but we found like we have patch nose snakes here. We have uh, what do we have? Patch nose, emery rats, uh, garter snakes, ribbon snakes. Uh, we've got um, uh, Western Diamondbacks. We had one. I had a bunch of babies that was out here. Um, That's we great. have uh, there's coach Sweet. whips here uh we had a coral snake on the porch last year um oh, nice. else? the hog nose um so there's a lot we we when we first moved here we had a horn lizard we found on grounds which was really cool yeah that's and awesome the tails and stuff like that too so there's a lot of cool herping uh that's out here as yeah. well you know it's nice too i mean it's like we have deer out here too not like not like uh keith does i mean he's got deer out everywhere We've got, some, <laughs> we've got uh deer on the property stuff too, but you know, uh, so it's fun. You know, it's nice. We got a red Fox and, uh, there's badgers and porcupines, um, stuff like that too. So it's, it's cool. It's, it's a that's nice cool. Area. That's awesome. You know, yeah. I, I really, I'm, I'm just so like envious and in awe of, uh, Bob Ashley's uh, museum, the Chiricahua oh, desert. Yeah. That's, yeah that's I awesome. love that. That's a good, that's an awesome place. It, it's an incredible place. Mm-hmm. It you really yeah. want to, uh, like create something similar to that, but like a centrally located destination. Um, just because I'm oh, gotcha. so impressed with how he has his stuff set up, and it's just yeah. so beautiful. It's you know I want this to be you know eventually when we're open, you know a couple of years from when we open, uh, I, I'm gonna we're gonna build a symposium hall so we can post events. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. Oh nice, yeah. Because I really want to do that, and and like I said, I I really want to mirror kind of what he's done, but make a, a a more centrally located area for people to come out and stuff. So.
0: That'd, be, That'd cool. be cool. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Very cool. That's,
1: that's awesome. Well, i mean, dude, that's the yeah.
0: dream. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs>
1: we need one of those uh, halls we, Owen, we can do that for, in uh, Carpet yeah. Fest.
2: <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 yeah like, oh, like, be able to have, like, this symposium hall and say, hey, you know, like, Eric Owen, I'm, I'm, if you guys want to host Carpet Fest? Come on out. You can host it here. We'll coast it at Reptilandia. Or, yeah. or yeah. I can do it. Yeah, yeah man. So, yeah, all
1: this stuff. Screw you know. that northeast. We're doing yeah. The screw the east. We're gonna go someplace warm. <laughs> you herping yeah. with herbs? Yeah. <laughs> and a then reptile make, zoo. <laughs> bring
0: that Keith McPeak <laughs> with us too. Yeah. Right on.
1: Oh man, I don't know. Anything else you guys want to hit on? We hit the two-hour mark. It's always awesome talking to you. Yeah, uh, dude. This is, you is both. Uh, you know,
0: always great. You know, I I, I, I love it you know, like you said, I, numerous times I can say, like, I live vicariously through Ari on many things. When it comes to oh, his yeah. zoological stuff, there was like, here I am on a mountain, just got mugged, but here's the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all that kind of stuff. So, like, I just like to listen to him talk, and I'm like, that's great. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. it's it,
1: the stories.
2: Uh, I haven't done presentations in a while because of just the COVID stuff, so I really, I really miss the community to talk to people and, you know, share do what I love doing and then talk to people that, you know, I, I consider family and stuff too, just because like, you know, I've got a, a strong, long history with you guys too, you know, especially yeah. Keith, but it's always nice, you know, to come back on and, and see what you guys are doing and all that. It was, I had a great time with, uh, hanging out with Keith a couple weeks ago, despite the reasoning I was there, we just had a really good time. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And just,
3: just picture if you're a Bolandai guy, having Ari come in and look check out your Boland's pythons. Like, how cool is that? You oh. know?
0: <laughs> I want like Keith. Like, must have rubbed them down with some oil or something. Oh, yeah, he, like he yeah, buffed yeah. them up real good. Like, look at them. Aren't they shiny? Yeah, what the hell, dude? Wait, and, this is crazy.
1: It's crazy to think that Keith is getting nervous about somebody coming to see his snakes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we look at Keith like, oh shit, Keith's coming. to I don't know. Me. Keith's never allowed to come over
0: here. <laughs>
3: I like never take the bowlings out ever, you know, but with Ari there, I'm like, we gotta take it one outside and take a picture, you know? And I brought it outside and in the natural sunlight, the the color on the like I'm sitting there looking at my own
2: animal with Ari. I'm just like, holy shit, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Ari, can I have this one? <laughs> Keith, this is yours. Oh, <laughs> it's like, oh. Well, it's funny That's like, awesome. When we were there, like, you know, like we got late we had dinner and stuff and we just kind of, you know, shot the shit. We got up early and, you know, stuff and just kind of hanging outside having some coffee and stuff. And I was just like waiting. I'm like, all right, if I get to see his animals, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going like, to make the first move here? He's like, <laughs> Hey, I'm like, so uh, downstairs? Yeah,
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's always that moment because every like we've been in Keith's house and we've all been in his kitchen. And yeah. then at one point, some I think at one point I think Teresa said, Why don't you guys go look at the
2: snakes? And we're like, Yeah, we'll leave. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure she said that just so we'd go the hell away. Like it was just <laughs> yeah. You know, so like and every time like I see a Boland's python, it, it I just get I get in a good place. So it mm. was just it was just really nice. I could uh, see
3: that. It's like once you got that animal in hand, it was just I could just see your whole demeanor change actually.
2: Yeah, it's it's a, it's it's I don't know, it's weird, it's comforting to me and it was just nice, uh nice that you allowed me to 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 hold your animal and, and stay with you and all that. It was just really it was just a nice a nice it was a good time. It was it was
3: too short. Shoot to- Yeah. Shoot to- yeah. Teresa loved having you. She got somebody that she could stuff with all her
2: food and treats oh and all that God. kind of stuff. Oh, <laughs> some macaroni salad. Oh, I have some more black and white cookies. By the way, Ryu ate the whole box when I got him home. I-
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, ooh. Yeah.
0: That's cool. Teresa That's keeps awesome. keeps Owen alive, keeps Ari fed. I mean, oh come on now. <laughs>
2: <It's>
0: a- <Yeah. laughs> like, good like, good stuff.
2: Good stuff. Like, and I swear she's got to be. She's she's psychically tuned in because every time my beer would get like an inch low, almost being empty, like, ready for the beer, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It was well overdue, so I yes. uh, thank you guys for very fun cool
1: yeah man anytime you know when you guys are ready to uh officially open it up and all that stuff you know just let me know we'll we'll have you back we'll we'll give it the real tour
0: we'll go through all that fun we go through from yeah we we can do it live if you want it oh
1: yeah show it yeah you know if you want to show something off or closure whatever but
2: you know i want to do a really nice a really nice thing and um and just let everybody experience it it's it's going to be it's We're basically building the zoo that every one of us dreamt of as a kid. That's what we're doing.
1: <laughs> I know, I love that. <laughs> I'm always sending Keith pictures of like uh, natural habitats. You know, I'm like oh, this you know, is it. This is the dream. Me. You know,
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and it's not just you know, Reptilandia isn't just about the rarest animals or the most exotic animals because we have some really cool stuff. I mean, we have some rare stuff, I and mean, we got mang vipers and ballons, and we got all sorts. Yeah, like but but like. We also show, like, we have, like, you know, um, we've got a West Texas exhibit with some big uh, western diamondbacks in there. And it just looks beautiful. Like, just watching them behave normally, it's, you know, and we're, you know, we've got uh, Texas alligator lizards and rough green snakes and stuff like that. I mean, it's like, it's not just about the rarest of the rare. It's it's about building incredible environments and watching animals do what they do i i think for me the thing that i that sums it up is i get to see animals that don't know
3: they're in captivity
2: yeah that that's, yeah yeah and, and if and if i can do that if i can create a, a habitat where i do that then then it makes me know i did my job right Absolutely. And, yeah you no know, yeah that's the tricky part to be able to do that where you're providing everything that we think we should be able to provide and and, and, and do that i mean it's like it, it just makes it so much fun like it, it's just so cool yeah
0: God. Mangs, yeah. I, I have an obsession for mangs. That's awesome.
2: They're very interesting animal. They're, uh, yeah, we have a pair um, that are been housed together for uh, a year and a half now. The male's old enough to breed. The female's not quite there, but uh, I, I feel really confident that that they'll reproduce. I, I mean, <laughs> we've seen boarding and stuff, and it's just you get that kind of uh, you get that feeling when you look like okay, it's going to happen in here. Yeah. They're going you know, <laughs> to. They're just very interesting snakes. Uh, this is the first time I've gotten to work with them at any with any kind of like period of time, as opposed to being really fast, like in quarantine or something. And they're just very observant. Uh, they're they're typically very well mannered, our animals, um, uh, but they're they're just they're just really interesting. They're uh, a really cool snake. I, I'm really uh, I really enjoy working with the uh, our timber rattlesnakes. They're really cool. I've never got to work with them before, and they are neat. Um, yeah. beautiful I mean, <clears throat> as it is, but but they're just behavior is a very interesting snake. They're just very inquisitive. Um mm-hmm. uh but they're just cool. There's like little things. And then like, I've got like Eastern box turtles in our, our, our swamp exhibit, they're just like all up in everybody's business. You know, it's like, you know, I was like, <laughs> 20, I, was, I was playing black, <laughs> like nibbling up my ankle and all this. I was like, get it, like, you know. That's awesome. But yeah, right. it's it's about being able to see all these like really interesting uh, behaviors that we don't get to see, you know, normally. So, and that's what's one hundred percent. That's 100%. fantastic.
1: I like that thought, though, Keith. We'll we'll, we'll drop it there. The uh, the whole uh, they don't know that they're in captivity. That's a good one. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Cool.
0: Cool. Well, uh, are do you guys? Do you have
2: anything you want to throw out there as far as like website, book, anything? They're just working on stuff. Always, yeah, I got some stuff coming out, but you know, nothing's out yet. Uh, everybody should look forward to Keith's book that's coming out. there um, uh, better be lots of photos.
3: Oh yeah, I'm going to be hitting you guys up for some.
2: <laughs> uh, I,
0: I should be mentioned at least once in every chapter, and then Owen said, <laughs>
2: <laughs> "Yeah." My, uh, open, open. Yeah, Owen advised. <laughs> Owen advised
0: I should. <laughs> Owen's thoughts on this are bubble. There's, a, there's
2: <laughs> a disclaimer
1: at the front that says whatever Owen does does the opposite. Do the
2: opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I told Keith this. I told Keith this. So, Eric, you're going to be with Keith on the trip, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, when you're there, if you happen to come across anything reptile related that is a traditional carving. Painting, statue, sculpture, anything—I want it because okay. I wanted.
0: Yeah.
2: So one You'll of the cool donations from us ability is we have an ethnographics museum that basically showcases indigenous art that is reptile related from around the world. Oh, dude! Do you remember oh, the paintings wow. we saw at Kakadu? Yeah, yeah. I mean, no. Mm. So I, okay, like, I, I I carried back sixty pounds worth of carvings from Papua this last trip. Uh, and I've got all sorts of really cool stuff. I got stuff from Africa, India, obviously New Guinea, Indonesia. I've got some stuff from Asia. I don't have anything from Australia. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, any other, any other countries and things like that. I'm just always looking for art pieces to incorporate, whether it's purchasing, whether it's donations, I've got plaques in there where I'm putting stuff up for people. I mean, all that stuff. So keep nice. your eyes.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. We will, we will make that happen for sure. Yeah.
0: So can do right. cool. That would yeah. All
1: right. Uh yeah. Thanks guys. Uh it's always a pleasure, like I said. And uh
0: not do, not until do. next time. Perfect. <laughs> <The> <laughs> excellent ending. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> nice, guys. Uh thanks, All right. You thanks,
1: Keith. All right. Do you wanna Look at, look at, look the, at the, the fancy, show. look look at this look fancy, at fancy
0: background. Look at what this. I've been working. Background.
1: I've been working. I've been working. Look, We've and we
0: can. doing things when I'm not uh, paying attention to you. And we can. There's this uh, weird jungle carpet or
1: something going on down here. We can even change. Oh, look at that. Oh, it's that. coffee beans and such <laughs> in the background. Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, looks like I got to tweak it a little bit and put these up here. All right. No worries. Pink. <laughs> there we are <laughs> um uh yeah Morelli python radio is us that is um,
0: a very good that <laughs> is us
1: <laughs> yes uh, uh you want to support the network and the podcasts on the channel go over to morelia python radio.com um and uh, check it out there i also on our on our instagram I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm a little late to the technology game, but we got a link mm-hmm. tree now. So all of the links that you need to do, you just click They're on, all that on the thingy.
0: Yeah, take you all to the
1: thingy. So the link tree, uh, <laughs>
0: click on the thingy, and yeah. then you'll go to the other thingy. Thingy, yeah. There's okay, <laughs> websites,
1: uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But a couple people were asking about like where they can find all the different podcasts on the network, and uh, you can it's, it's click it's on all that. laid out right there in front of you, and I'll take you there. So we believe so, in you. Yes, yes. So subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel, um, yep. NPR Network. We're at nine hundred and two uh, people. How many? Do we need
0: Ten thousand?
1: A million? We just need a thousand. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I just, I just want a thousand. That's all. A thousand. We're, <clears> we're I'm gonna so gonna much closer. Sh- I'm going to give a shout out to. We were talking about YouTube channels earlier, and I always like to mention a good one. But one of my favorites is Josh and Greeny's Wild Aussie Adventures. Now they're going to come back on NPR to talk to us. Owen. and cool. They were going to talk to us before, but they're headed out to a particular place that I think you might be interested in talking to them once they come back. God damn it. No. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll leave it at that.
0: (laughs) They're going to the goddamn Kimberly is what's happening.
1: Well, I'm not saying nothing, but I'm just telling you. Where else would they go that
0: would be? uh, They'll find
1: my favorite monitor and my favorite. No, well, not my favorite, but one of my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) One of my my favorite. Your favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us info at uh, everything's been a little goofy uh, I I don't know I've been behind we don't on have everything. to explain
0: ourselves to the likes works, of you work's yeah. been
1: crazy stressful all the above so it is what it is uh, but the stuff still comes out uh, let's see if you want to do more we got the Teespring store and yep. we have the patreon um, yep. which all of those are over in the, the link tree Uh go check that out that's all i got cool
0: um i got is you can go to rogue-reptiles.com uh rogue reptiles on morph market uh i have a bunch of shit listed right now so uh jump on it while it's there i gotta pay for a wedding so come on Um, (laughs) this is a go
1: (laughs) fund me yeah yeah
0: this is this is the get your ass over there um i will be at the oaks reptile show this weekend um vending so
1: not after that so but yeah what sure. Was that? what <laughs> this will be out after oh that.
0: god damn it all right well i'll be at the hamburg show in october too so um come check me out there uh other than that uh that's all we have for everybody this week We'll so we'll say thanks all for listening and we'll catch everybody back here okay. next week for some more Morelia python radio good night